1: parade can be canceled i i had plans i mean i thought maybe we could relive the super bowl parade by having it be like 15 degrees below zero outside and norman cox from channel six wearing his cleveland browns hat yelling at people telling them the parade's been canceled because it's too cold the parade to end philadelphia's unbeaten season for the indianapolis colts the dream is over right taylor heineke baby he
2: looks a little like Matt Damon. I told Mark. I could see that. I could definitely see that. Um, yeah, I felt like last night was good and bad news for the Colts. I would agree with that. The good news is you just saw the ideal blueprint to beating the previously undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. The bad news is good luck doing it now. Now they're pissed off, R- right? And you know, the other element of last night was Taylor Heineke's not losing that starting job. Therefore, the third-round pick is going to be a third-round pick you get from Washington. Carson Wentz is not going to get enough playing time this season for that pick to be a second-rounder. Uh, Wentz is eligible to come off IR next week. Heineke just went 3-1. and one. The Commanders are 5-5. Five and five. They were half game out of the playoffs. There's no way Ron Rivera can put Carson Wentz back as this team's starting quarterback. So It was just kind of a push and pull for me last night. If you're a Colt fan, looking at that and saying, again, ideal blueprint several important Philadelphia guys going to the medical tent throughout the night. It's a short week, all that. The bad side of it is, again, pretty pissed off football team. And then if you look at that draft pick for next season, uh, in all likelihood, it is going to be a third rounder coming from Washington and not a second rounder. We have a loaded show on this Tuesday morning here in Indianapolis. Jay Billis, who will be on the call tonight, over at Cambridge Fieldhouse for the Champions Classic. He's going to join us here at 7.30. Again, the games tonight, Kentucky and Michigan State at 7, Duke and Kansas at 9.30. We will have Tony Dungy joining us an hour after that at 8.30. Tony, of course, has uh, been in the news, I would say, a decent amount here for his comments last week on the Dan Patrick Show. We'll certainly chat about that in Jeff Saturday's debut uh, and then paris campbell at nine o'clock and jake you talk about subplots to this cult season easily one of the best if not the the best is the health of paris campbell and the production that he has shown here in a contract here the um
1: the story with paris campbell to me and I'll be curious to get into this with him. You know, this is a guy that I think Kevin probably would have been understandable if he was teetering a little bit on just saying, you know what, it's not going to happen for me and having his confidence get rattled. And yet, probably at times when only he thought that he still had it in him, he was able to plug through that and now be get where he is. Does that makes sense?
2: I mean, hell, teetering on r- retirement. That's what I mean yeah I mean it's it was some dark dark places for Paris he usually is pretty candid so hopefully he'll share some of those thoughts with us again he's going to join us at nine o'clock Jake I think it's really cool that Indy hosts this Champions Classic but I'll be honest with you I kind of forgot it was happening tonight until like 36 hours ago right I feel like of the big events, which I think this qualifies. I mean, four top twenty-five college basketball teams. You know, it's a neutral-site game. They go to various cities around the U.S. and india has been one of the more popular ones they've gone to. It's on ESPN. You know, it's isolated away from the NFL schedule. There's no Pacer game tonight. I just feel like this game. I kind of forget about it. The, I, I, these these games, I should say. I think the big thing that's interesting to
1: me about the Champions Classic. And maybe this is becoming less the case, but there is so much focus in Indiana on IU basketball or Purdue or Butler, whatever it may be, that here you have what typically year in and year out are the four programs that are thought to be the best Final Four preview. And because it's in our own backyard, I think people forget that it's here in our own backyard, if that makes sense. Like, people know it's on TV, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's an Indy. It's almost like we rent our city out for the night to people from Kansas and Kentucky and Michigan to come in here and Duke
2: to enjoy it. But, like, people from Indy don't think to go down and, and go to the game. Like, how many people – and we, of course, hope everyone is listening to the start of the show so they'll know. But how many people are going to turn on ESPN tonight and be like, oh, wow, those games are an Indy? Right. Totally agree. Kentucky-Michigan State at seven. That's number four. Kentucky, number 25, Michigan State. Um, we had a great game with Gonzaga uh, over the weekend. Duke and Kansas, number 8 Duke, number 5 Kansas. You've got Purdue hosting Marquette tonight up at Mackey. The Gavit games continue. Butler lost to Penn State last night. I saw IU women got a uh, nice win a at big Tennessee win. last night. I, Terry Moore's done a hell of a job down there. If you would have asked me when I was
1: at IU that the day would come where Indiana women's basketball would go and handily win at Tennessee. Yeah. Zero chance I would have signed. I I just said there's no way. No, I said what do you you know, I would have my reply would have been what are you going to tell me next that Indiana's going to like struggle when they have to go play at Wisconsin in basketball?
2: I mean, come on. In men's basketball? Well, you're like, "Wait, are you football's going to win at Ohio State?" It would be that level of a shock probably.
1: Yeah, that's true. Although then
2: did you was, see it's twenty nine straight losses IU to Ohio State in football? Is it really? I saw the most of any like the most I'd, of any
1: series. And what's the average margin of victory there for the oh Buckeyes? God.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean it's gotta be at least <laughs> at least thirty. At least twenty five. Not good, right? Uh he's Jake Quay. I'm Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykon, as always. Again, good Tuesday morning to you. Jay Billis, seven thirty, Tony Dungey, eight thirty, Paris Campbell, nine o'clock. Um I do want to offer our condolences, Jake, to everyone associated with the University of Virginia, um, that football community, and, and really, I think you see the pictures from there. Just everyone at that school, um, you know, a couple of local connections. I was thinking about, and for those that, for some reason, have not seen the move uh, or the uh, or the news, um, three football players died in a shooting. Was it late Sunday night? You know, I don't know. I, I know this. There, there were.
1: Students that were on a field trip, correct? Yes. Uh huh. And I haven't been able to determine, and this is a minor detail I realize in the grand scheme. Did this happen on the bus of the field trip? Or I, I that I couldn't gather. I, I read it said on campus shooting, but then I thought I saw somewhere else this happened on the bus of said field trip. But uh, what I do know is it is a, or what we do know is this was a former walk-on on the football team. And I believe there were five people shot and three fatally shot, right?
2: right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Deshaun Perry, Lavelle Davis Jr., Devin Chandler, the three that lost their lives. And it becomes so incredibly secondary for the obvious
1: reasons at this point. But, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't blame Virginia at all if they postpone their game or cancel their season or whatever, right? I mean, that's a pretty...
2: Yeah, they play uh, Coastal Carolina this weekend. Next weekend, Jake, their final regular season game at Virginia Tech. I saw someone mention this on Twitter, and again, this is a very secondary item. Um, but maybe that game at Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech hosts Senior Day for the Virginia Seniors. Unfortunately, Virginia Tech has dealt with this yeah, level of tragedy yeah. before. Um, you know, as a rival school, I think it would be. Again, a very unfortunate but a cool moment. If they were able to do that, I was thinking yesterday about some of the local ties. Jelani Woods, of course, yeah, a Virginia product. He was tweeting yesterday about that. You got to think he had a relationship with some of those, you know, players involved. Unfortunately, and then on their basketball team right now, um, you would think the basketball football program would have some overlap. Armon Franklin, former Indiana University player, the Cathedral product. Um, he's there as well so just an awful awful story um and their head coach is tony elliott jake who you know from uh, his days at clemson first yeah, year right?
1: offensive coordinator uh first or second year yeah uh i think i'm trying to think i think it's his second year isn't it he's the second but either way um yeah a terrible situation obviously and i don't know i i guess we'll learn if there was some sort of a motivation if this was an isolated thing i you know i don't know I don't know, but that was the one thing that I... Had they caught the shooter yet? Yes, he was apprehended yesterday during the press conference. And I believe he was apprehended back near his hometown. um, Near his old high school, I believe. So, and he he had had... Again, I I don't want to say anything that isn't isn't fact or proven or whatever else. Because a lot of times, a a lot comes out in these situations after the fact, I guess. So best to simply say, um, terribly sad and whatever decisions Virginia decides to make moving forward in terms of how it affects them or impacts them athletically uh, there. I don't know that there is a wrong answer.
2: Right. I would agree with that. I'm um, in the YouTube chat this morning. Uh, Britty is in there. It's his 21st birthday, Jake. Britty, Happy birthday. Yeah. Do you recall your 21st? I do. Uh, very clearly. I, you know, what is your birthday, Kevin? My birthday is September 18th.
1: So were you young for your grade or old for your grade?
2: Um, I was probably teetering a little bit on older. Um, so I turned 21 early in my junior year, uh, and my 21st birthday was Friday at midnight, which, boy, you can't drum up a better night of the week to have your 21st Actually, mine was
1: too. Um, mine was either Friday or Saturday. I think it was mine was on a Saturday.
2: Were you the same as me, kind of early in that Yeah, September year? September
1: 3rd. So the one it, the advantage and disadvantage that I had, and I actually saw it as an advantage, because I was the first of all of my buddies to turn twenty one. There wasn't anybody that could go out with me to the bars and that kind of yeah. thing. P- people didn't have IDs. I, I, some of the girls that I was friends with had IDs, so hey they now. could go. But yeah, that's right. But I didn't have. I hate you know, the pressures of like you gotta do twenty one shots. I never had to to deal with that kind of mayhem because nobody could go with me. So a couple of my buddies came in to I was in Bloomington at the time, came in and I went out. I still remember Tiffany Lehman and Amy Alden. Uh we went to upstairs pub because they they could go and then my buddies Hillary and Jacqueline and everybody else stayed back at my apartment because they weren't twenty one yet and didn't have IDs. But it was fun. It wasn't mine was not total mayhem. But it was fun.
2: Um, just absolute bully ball last night by the Commanders over the Eagles. And I was watching that game on Full Jake, and I'm thinking, you know what? I've seen the Colts do this to other elite teams before. Buffalo last year. You know, Kansas City a few years back. Um, Washington had the ball for 40, over 40 minutes last night. Um they ran 50 plays in the first half. That's the most for any NFL team this season. Like, they could not have drummed up a better blueprint in playing keep away, sustaining drives, scoring off those drives. And I don't think Washington is necessarily built as some, you know, bully ball, we're going to smash mouth you to death sort of team. Very curious to see Parks Frazier watching that, Jeff Saturday watching that. Jeff Saturday had to be salivating a little bit watching that, thinking. On paper, we should have the personnel to do that. We haven't seen that this season to that degree. But on paper, we should have the pieces to be able to formulate something like that. Because I think the Eagles have shown Jordan Davis, their rookie out of Georgia, the big fella in the middle of their defensive line, he's been hurt. They've shown a few chinks in the armor for this. And Washington just took it to another level. Do you think, Jeff, Saturday, it's odd for him in pra- in the team setting now when they want to watch film and stuff to not just stand at a huge screen with a touch screen and an iPad and like <laughs> I saw one of the strength coaches going over the Microsoft surface with them on Sunday yeah, yeah, during the game right. mm-hmm. um, when teams are unbeaten and I think
1: we saw this with the Colts several years Arizona was it last year or two years ago you know you can always there are always obviously there's an example every year the team that goes the furthest before they lose a game, it there are one of two ways that the team responds to that first win, or excuse me, to that first loss. It either totally fuels them, and that was the alarm clock wake-up call they needed to shore up some things and go out, or they just become another team at that point, and they finish out the year, you know, at sixty percent, and yeah. sneak in and get beat in the first round of the playoffs. Or was that I mean,
2: Pittsburgh a couple years ago as well? They'd fall into the Arizona group, the last right. undefeated. And just I mean, to I the out.
1: Rams, when the Rams were the defending Super Bowl champs and were scoring a billion points, and they lost to uh, late, in, they lost to Kansas City like in week eight, and then they just became another team. I mean, they they went five hundred on the way out. Colts on the other hand, we saw years where you know they lost and and put it back together and went to the Super Bowl. So you just you never know. I'm, I'm very curious to see how Philadelphia responds. But if you are the Colts, you have to anticipate that they're going to respond
2: with a fury, right? Yeah, I'm just I'm very curious to see if they have the run defense, the personnel to correct to the issues that we saw last night. And again, can the Colts put that sort of pressure on them with p- probably their best run game of the season? Um, coming this past Sunday. So I think a little bit of good, a little bit of bad news if you're the Colts watching that. I think mostly good, though, and seeing what Washington was able to do. Obviously, Nick Sirianni knows full well that Indianapolis is going to want to commit heavily to Jonathan Taylor and that rushing attack. So that will be uh, this Sunday coming up at 1 o'clock. Um, an early line for that game? You guys want to venture to guess? Philly gives six. Mark? seven and a half eight and a half right now okay the Eagles over the Colts for that one o'clock kick something we did not get to yesterday I want to touch on a little bit later probably in the eight o'clock hour Jake I think the Colts just need to shut Shaquille Leonard down for the rest of the season Uh, doesn't it feel like it's leaning that direction um I think there's some whispers that that could be happening um We'll see if another surgery is on the horizon for him and boy, when you hear nerve regeneration and all that stuff. Been there, right? Just, we've we've been here. God, you started thinking big picture too, or at least I do. I'm no longer thinking twenty twenty two with them. You know, I'm thinking a little bit more big picture of can you get this corrected? Can he get back to the level of player that he once was? Um and then, you know, internally, I think you've got some roster questions at linebacker. So we can hit on that. I, I think a little bit later. Oftentimes
1: in professional sports, Kevin, I think athletes feel like injuries are seen not as a weakness because they all know it's it's part of the game. So getting injured is not like a weakness in the mind of an athlete, but not being able to come back from it is a combination of frustrating and then also creates an inferiority complex that I think can lead the athlete into a dark place mentally. The combination of the frustration of like, I want to be out there. And Leonard's admitted that. Correct. And then on top of that, though, there is this, the thing that separates athletes oftentimes from the normal person is that drive that pushes them through the wall when their body is at the point of exhaustion and they have more in them to get more reps, get a little bit stronger, get a little bit faster, whatever it be. And they've lived that way their whole life. So then when they reach that point where the body finally pushes back and says, no, you don't understand. Right now, I cannot do that. Or a doctor says, no, 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 you cannot do that. I think there is, for the first time for athletes oftentimes, there is the feeling or the taste of a failure or fear of letting people down and their body letting them down that they're just not used to dealing with. And it can lead to, I think, a place they're not used to being.
2: I think Leonard holds in high regard you know, what he means to his hometown, obviously what he means to his family. He's had a lot of tragedy within his family, unfortunately, even in the last couple of years. And I think that has kind of added to the mental element that he, again, has been pretty upfront about. Um, and then to the injury situation itself – you know, unlike the Andrew Luck injury that sent him into retirement, this is a very serious, almost impossible to diagnose, or at least the Colts and their medical team and, and those doctors that have been con- consulted, it's been a struggle to try and um, get a hold of this. So um, we'll see if it, there's any news coming up on Leonard and talk more about that. In the eight o'clock hour. All right. Uh, one more time: Paris Campbell at nine, Tony Dungy at eight thirty, and Jay Billis at seven thirty. Jay's on the call tonight. The Champions Classic again, over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. The seven o'clock tip will be Kentucky and Michigan State. Number four, Kentucky. Number twenty-five, Michigan State. Number eight, Duke, and number five, Kansas, is the second game. Jay Billis joins us in ten minutes. Kevin Aquari on a Tuesday. <laughs>
0: The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
1: We'll begin with college basketball, not Ball State but Penn State last night, 68-62 winners over Butler in the Gavitt Games. Not a bad outing for the Dogs cuz they got down early double digits, came back, made it a battle. Uh, Butler now 1-1. One one. Manny Bates had 16 and 10 for the Dogs. It was Chicago State 68-58 over IEPY. and Purdue Fort Wayne in a squeaker 111 to 31. Over Manchester.
2: IU women, nice win in Knoxville last night. Tonight, Purdue and Marquette uh, at 8.30 from Mackey. Monday night football, the Eagles undefeated no longer, 32-21. The Commanders beat the Eagles much closer than that final score. They got a touchdown there uh, to end it. The Eagles scored seven points in the final three quarters. Tonight, though, the Champions Classic over at GameBridge Fieldhouse. It's Kentucky and Michigan State, Duke and Kansas. Jay Billis joins us next
3: chicken whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about cascali ribocyclib 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if cascali is right for you life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy all hits no skips Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at K-I-S-Q-A-L-I dot and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
2: you feel like this has become the official start of the college basketball season? I guess the unofficial start. Uh, the Champions Classic now... Um, got to be, what, at least the third or fourth time the city of Indianapolis has hosted it. Tonight, it will be Kentucky and Michigan State at 7, Duke and Kansas at 9.30, and on the call will be the one and only Jay Billis for ESPN. He joins us now with a little Jeezy to introduce Jay Billis. Jay, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How you doing? We are doing great. Um, hope you are as well. Um, for those that might not be as, you know, Completely locked into the start of the college basketball season. Um, some things on your mind about uh, tonight's uh, matchups?
4: Well, it should be great. I mean, you got uh, four of the, the best programs in college basketball. Michigan State's already played, they played Gonzaga. Uh, all these teams have already played, but Michigan State's the only one that's played sort of uh, a huge game. They played against Gonzaga on an aircraft carrier last Friday uh, out in San Diego. Um, but, but I think all of the, the four teams we're talking about are, are, I don't want to say Michigan State's a contender. They're all contenders in their leagues. Uh, but I I think, I think Kentucky, Kansas and and Duke, uh, all have a, a final four shot. They're, they're that good. Um, you know, sort of industry wide in basketball. I think North Carolina, uh, has the preseason number one team. They were in the championship game last year. They have almost everybody back. Uh, this year, and uh, and a team that probably isn't getting enough due that uh, that'll contend this year is Houston. Uh, Kelvin Sampson's got another ridiculously good team that can really guard and they can they can score this year. They got Marcus Sasser back healthy and Tremont Mark, both of whom had uh, had big games last night when they won. So uh, I would watch out for Houston too.
1: Jay, when you look at the teams that are here in Indianapolis right now, as Kevin had just mentioned, you know Kentucky, Kansas, Michigan State, Duke. Those are obviously Blue Bloods, so we know they are good every year. But of those four, which of the four still has kind of the most question, I guess? Because we know all these teams are going to have talented players, but sometimes it's a matter of figuring out how they're going to mesh and mold, and maybe in November they are going to look a lot different than they will in February or March. Does that apply to any of these four?
4: Are you talking about which one is not going to be as good as they usually are kind of questions? Yeah,
1: on? or which one, I guess, has – which Which coach of those four do you think going into tonight has the biggest question marks about his roster? Michigan State.
4: Yeah, Michigan State. They're, he might not have – Tom Izzo might not have question marks. I think he knows what he's got. But he doesn't have the firepower he's had in the past and, uh, and doesn't uh, – they're not as big as they've been. They're not as uh, settled at the five spot. Uh, and I'm not sure he knows exactly where his scoring's coming from uh, night after night. Uh, they've got Joey Hauser, Malik Hall uh, playing. Those guys are really versatile, uh, so they can play. They can play the five, the four. They can even slot them at the three. Um, and but they, they're and their guards are good, but they don't have uh, they don't have a lot of pros on their team. And, uh, and in the past, when Michigan State's been really good, they've had NBA players, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure they have one right now. Um, they've got guys that can play in the NBA, but but I'm not sure they've got guys that are you know first round draft picks.
2: He's Jay Billis. He'll be on the call tonight. Again, the Champions Classic, 7 o'clock, and then approximately about 9.30 for that second game, Duke and Kansas. Uh, Jay, on that Michigan State front, if you look at the Big Ten this season, um, I think hopes in Bloomington are very, very high for Mike Woodson's second year. They bring back Trace Jackson Davis. I think you look at the overall depth. Um, seem to be a team capable of going eight or nine deep, if not a little bit more. Um, your thoughts on Indiana here and Mike Woodson's second year?
4: You know, the Big Ten's got a lot of question marks because there aren't a ton of returning players. Uh, you know, the, I think the stronger leagues you expect to be stronger, I should say, uh, have a lot of guys back that were leading scorers on their teams or leading scorers in the league. And I think it's, you know, 15 of the top 20 scorers in the uh, the Big Ten last year are gone. Uh, so that opens up a lot of a uh, lot of question marks. Um, I do think Indiana is the, is the best team. Um, you know, obviously we're going to figure that out as we go but having uh, Trace Jackson Davis back, and we've got a lot of big guys back this year. Uh, you know, Zach Eadie's back at, at Purdue. But, um, but I like the personnel that Indiana's got the best. Um, and, uh, and with Jalen Hood-Chiapino coming in and, and playing the point, uh, they, they've got more firepower than they had last year. And I think they'll be, they've they played well. Just in their exhibition games at the start of the season. Um, Everybody's going to get clipped here and there and and lose games, but I think uh, I have to think that Indiana's going to be the favorite of the Big Ten.
2: Do you make anything of the Big Ten's national championship drought?
4: Well, I mean, there's something to it. Um, You know, it's not like they haven't been knocking on the door. The reason I don't worry about it is you've had so many Final Four appearances and Elite Eight appearances and, and uh, you know, they've had teams that have been national contenders year after year after year. Um, but, you know, it's kind of like the Pac-12. I mean, it's been been forever since the Pac-12 won a, won a championship. Now, you, you can be the second best team in the country and, uh, you know, when North Carolina was that great in 2009 or something, you know, the ACC's won a fair amount of them. The Big East has won some, all that stuff. Uh, and, and they've done it at the expense of the Big Ten. Um, so you don't want to go too far overboard. Is there something to it? Yeah, there's something to it. Um, is it a, a huge problem? No, it's not. Because um, one of the things, like, you, you kind of talk about with people, though, they, they, they always point, some people uh, point to Gonzaga saying, well, they haven't won one yet. And going, yeah, they, they, they've, they've done better in the tournament than any team in the Big Ten or the Pac-12 or whatever. They just haven't won it yet. And they're going to they said that about Virginia too, you know, Virginia can't win the way they play, like yes, they can, and they did um so the the, the big Ten will put this this issue to bed at some point um but so, but I don't think I don't think it's a major problem but but it is it is indicative that they haven't won one, uh but it's not indicative that they're they're not competitive.
1: Jay Billis of ESPN is our guest on the Payless Liquors Hotline again tonight at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. It's Kentucky, Michigan State taking place at 7 o'clock. Then after that at 9.30, it will be Duke in Kansas. Jay, college basketball has changed, but not changed, I guess, since the days that I was in college, which was around the area you were in college. You know, now you have name image likeness. You have a whole different arena in terms of the what that does for recruiting of players. Yet we still see Kentucky obviously loading up with with top-notch players. I understand that. My question for you is, the name image likeness and the different avenues that that creates, does that simply allow for the rich to get richer, or does it create opportunity for the smaller schools to also have an advantage, if you will, in the fact that they now have the same tools, maybe not to the same level of the hopper, to get players. Is this going to balance out talent distribution across college basketball, or is it going to stay the same where the rich get richer year in and year out?
4: It's going to be a combination of both. You're never going to have in this system, in football, basketball, whatever sport you want, you're never going to have equality. Uh, but it is fair, but, but talent will be more spread around with both the transfer portal and with name, image, and likeness. And it's, it's, it's pretty simple. Like, you know, in football, uh, everybody said when name, image, and uh, the critics said when name, image, and likeness came into to being that, that just means Alabama and Clemson are going to get all the best players, which is an absurd notion. Um, it's always been absurd. Um, one, it's absurd just with scholarships. Uh, because the all you know all the best quarterbacks aren't going to go to one place. Because the, the the number two and number three quarterbacks in the country are not going to sit behind number one. Like that's just not going to happen. The same reason that that those schools still have all the money with regard to paying coaches. You don't have you know Nick Saban, Brian Kelly, Dabo Swinney, and uh, and name another coach. You don't have all those guys all on one staff. You know, they're not all going to be assistant coaches. That's not the way it works. Economics doesn't work that way. So what you have are these smaller schools have an opportunity to get a better kind of player than they otherwise would have. So if you take Kansas is here. So if you take Kansas and say Wichita State, okay, Wichita State's not recruiting any player that Kansas is recruiting right now. Um, but they can, you know, because they, they can pay more for Kansas's third or fourth best recruit than uh than kansas is willing to pay so wichita state's gonna have a shot at those guys if money is a factor um but that's where i think a lot of people mistake and make a mistake is they think money is the only factor it's just a factor i mean uh, you just look at our own jobs i mean uh, you know we-, we make decisions based on our jobs money is a factor and it's a big factor it's not the only one you know we, we- it's where we're going to work what our job's going to be you know, where's our family going to live, what schools are our kids going to go to, all that stuff. Um, and and uh, athletes make those same decisions with regard to where they go to school, what they stay and all that stuff.
1: Is there any program that jumps out to you? Jay Billis is our guest. Uh, and I have none in mind here, Jay. I'm not trying to, to lead you down a path here. I'm just simply curious. Well, you're not going
4: to, but you can try.
1: Well, <laughs> is there is there any program that when you look at it seem to be kind of late to the party on the nil because it did feel like like with indiana for example you know they kind of saw where it was headed right and went ahead and started to devise a game plan were there any of the big schools that you looked at and you thought wow like it looks like they were late to the party in terms of everything that was involved here
4: i don't know because those are issues that um are almost personal to these schools like they may they may put out a statement saying, hey, we've started our collective or here's what we're doing at NIL or we've hired a chief of staff in charge of NIL. But you don't know, you know, I don't know how much players are making or what, you know, what this is. the same as I don't know what coaches are making out in the marketplace. You know, you know what they tell you, but I don't know the, the details of all their contracts or what car they're driving or how much they're making in endorsements, nor should I know. Um, I'm not particularly worried about all that stuff. Um, all these schools are going to do what it takes. It's kind of like facilities. Is anybody behind in facilities. It's not an excuse for anyone. Um, uh, you know, the facilities have been an issue for a long time. They'll continue to be, but with NIL, they won't be as big. You know, if you can if you can get money to a player directly, why build a big facility to, to attract them when you can just give them the money? Um, look, we're going to be paying. The schools are going to be paying these players directly before long. It won't take very long. Uh, the NCAA is not going to win these court cases that are coming down the pike at them. Uh, they're continuing to violate federal antitrust law on this issue, uh, so it, it, they're going to be signed to contracts at some point. Whether it happens in three years, five years, ten, I don't know, but that's what's coming. Do you, um, do you so see a salary cap? It, like, we're not. I'm, how can you have a salary cap? The, the salary cap means it's negotiated with the, the players, and and a salary cap would be great. But, but when people ask about a salary cap, I always ask them this question. Uh, you know, a salary cap in the NBA and the NFL, the players get half the revenue, right?
5: Mm-hmm.
4: I mean, that, that's the deal. And the, the schools don't want to pay half the revenue to the players. Um, if they do, I'm sure the players will sign on the dotted line tomorrow. But in order to have, in order to have a salary cap, that salary cap is a wage restriction, which, which is what there, what, what there is right now with not allowing them to, to be paid at all. That's a, that would be absent collective bargaining and an agreement with the players. That would be a violation of federal antitrust law, which is where the NCAA, why the NCAA is having all these problems now. So the issue isn't to me, should there be a salary cap? The issue is why aren't the players being allowed to bargain for their fair market value? Like nobody asked, should there be a salary cap for coaches and staffs and all that stuff? Like, should there, there be a salary cap for coaches? The coaches are the ones making all the money now. And the administrators, um, it's a, it's a re- really odd system that we, we look at it this way. Uh, but if you want a salary cap, um, and that'd be great. But every salary cap, the players get half the money, half the revenue. And, uh, you know, when, uh, when Ohio State's coach, Ryan Day, said recently, uh, hey, it's going to cost Ohio State $13 million to keep their roster together, is something like that, my reaction was that's cheap. Like, that's cheap. To, to have a multi-billion dollar industry, to have a team together, and to, to have a roster set for that little money, when, when they're paying some of the coaches that, they're paying their coaching staff more than that. Um, it's really an interesting interesting system we have, and it's going to change.
2: Jay, last one for me, and again, Jay Bell is tonight on the call. It's Kentucky and Michigan State, Duke and Kansas, right over here at GameBridge Fieldhouse. That begins at 7 o'clock. You will be inside of the Pacers building tonight, and Benedict Matherin has had a pretty um, darn impressive start to his NBA career. How much did you see of Matherin at Arizona, and are you surprised at all to see the level he's played at here early in his NBA career?
4: I saw uh, Ben Matherin a lot, and I thought he was great um so i'm not i'm not surprised he's having success i mean players have sometimes you're surprised it's so quick or you know some of the guys take a little bit longer to get going but but he's a he's a, a fantastic talent and a, a worker uh, and a competitor so you know i think on draft night um you know we had talked about i thought he could have been taken higher perhaps should have been and he thought he should have been taken higher, and it seems like he's using that for fuel in uh, in the way he's playing against teams that didn't take him. But uh, yeah, he, he's a he's an outstanding player because he's got all the tools. He can shoot it, he can drive it. Uh, he's a focused defender, uh, and he he really competes and works.
1: By the way, speaking of, and finally, Jay here the category of you know we don't know where this thing's going. <laughs> Excuse me, in terms of Twitter, I, w- I was looking at this. And this does fascinate me. You've got 1.8 million followers on Twitter, understandably, deservedly so. Uh, You're following no one. So does that mean that when you go on there, like there's just nothing on your phone?
4: I don't go on Twitter. I use it to uh, put stuff out, but I don't use it for any
1: other reason. So you never like scroll through to see what a coach or a player is saying or I mean, obviously, right? Or, Or is there a I don't not on that account. Ooh. ah see that can we find the J Bills burner that's right is there a burner uh, you account can, you you can certainly try <laughs> <laughs> that's actually pretty smart though so that people can't see who it is that you're following We've to, to investigative f- weed through information you know
2: we'll, we'll ask the NCAA over here just a mile or two away Jay if they can get started on that uh enjoy Indy. have a great call tonight and I uh, appreciate the time this morning.
6: So
4: you're going to ask the NCAA to investigate something? I, I think I think it's going to be a while before there's an answer there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, insert insert joke there, right? Thank you, Jay. Thank you, guys. That's Jay Billis right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. You, you. Um, you know, I don't. And so he has a burner account. We know that much. Uh, yes, correct. Yeah, I, I didn't realize he was following nobody. I wonder if he's Regent Bryan. <laughs> <laughs> Regent Bryan is very active on. On Twitter, um, I I don't necessarily agree with everything Jay says, but I do respect, as always, his thoughtfulness and um, his insight. He obviously is extremely opinionated and has been a huge advocate for paying players in the NIL. And as frequently as he did there, brought up you know the coach's angle and the salary cap to it. Um, it just seems like college basketball, whether it's that uh, the, the the transfer portal, getting some clarity on that front, I think is a huge huge deal. Um, and then something that Thad Mata said with us, was it last week or two weeks ago, that I disagreed with was, there's no way you can be expanding the NCAA tournament, right? It doesn't need to be a participation trophy of, everybody's going to get in.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, the NCAA tournament's fine where it is. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Right. By the way, I would be embarrassed to have a Twitter account with, where I'm following
2: no one. It just seems like kind of a hassle to like open up Twitter and... Do you even check your own? I guess you do check your own just to send out a tweet, but then you've got to immediately go to the burner to start scrolling through things. I I think you come off, in that
1: regard, you come off looking completely narcissistically smug, right? Or like you have no sense of humor about anything. I'm not saying he does. I'm just saying that, that when you have when it says following zero, that looks like I have no interest in what anyone but I have to say in the world. I, it's kind of a flex I
2: can How many appreciate. famous people do you think have burners? 90%. 90%.
7: Rick,
2: if you were an NFL head coach, would you have a burner? And how actively would you be looking I, I can, at that Twitter? I can understand
1: the – to his point, I can understand – Having an account where you look through, I mean, it, it, for Jay Billis, for example, it probably is in his best interest to not have, because he's wanting to be an objective, you know, reporter of college basketball, it is in his best interest, probably, strategically speaking, to be able to follow different coaches, but not necessarily have them know which he's following and which he's not, et cetera. So in that regard, it's smart. But I'd at least pick like 50 coworkers or something and follow their accounts so that it doesn't look like... I live in a world where well, just get on I'm Facebook the only one in my
2: bubble. You just get on Facebook, chat about politics with him. He does have a political science degree. Uh, Kentucky favored by 7.5 tonight over Michigan State. Again, that game tips at 7 over Gamebridge Fieldhouse, and then it'll be Duke and Kansas to follow. So it's still no Bill Self, right? Yeah, he's got a, I think it's four game. Kansas yeah, 1.5 point favorite over John Shire. Purdue and Marquette tonight. Is that Shaka smart? Do I get in free with my KUID? oh for sure yeah i think i mean if bill self was here i think he'd be having you speak to the team you know bill self's strength don't you uh i i do not
1: bill self now i'm going off of 20 years ago bill self is one of these people that has this like weird thing where he meets someone and never forgets their name so, Bill Self, when I was in St. Louis and I covered Illinois, it was during the time that he was in Illinois, and I went to like the first, you know, group interview after a practice, and I'm getting ready to ask a question. I'd just gotten there, and he's like, I'm sorry, what is your name? I'm like, oh, I'm uh, Jake Query. I'm from Fox Sports in St. Louis. He's like, okay, Jake, what's up? And I asked a question. Like six weeks later, I go back, and I'm in the group interview. And he's doing his questions, and he looks, you know, and, and I've got my microphone. He looks right at me. Hey, Jake, what's up? And so I asked a question. And then I, I, a couple other times he would say to someone, like in the interview, I'm sorry, we haven't met. What's your name? Uh, I'm Andy so-and-so from the, you know, the Canton News. Okay, Andy, what's up? And he would refer to <clears throat> everyone by name. Well, then I came back to Indianapolis, and I was working here when, I can't remember what it was, but something was going on with IU basketball. It might have been. Oh, it was when Knight was taking the Texas Tech job, and we were trying to confirm this rumor that Bob Knight was going to Texas Tech. So I'm like, who would I know that would know that? And so I called the Illinois basketball office, and Bill Self answered, and I said, "Hey, Coach, this is Jake Query. I don't know if you remember that. Jake, man, what's going on, man? How, how are things? You left St. Louis, right? How are things going?" new exa- and i'm like well listen I'm, I'm trying to find out this about and he said let me let me look around i'll call you back and like 10 minutes later calls me back yeah man here's what i'm hearing we got to get him on the show could then. not be and i have no idea if that's i mean i don't yes you are correct sounds like a randy he's, Bennett- i'm telling type type you he's, he's great like and so i don't know if he would still remember me but someone told me in the illinois office they're like oh yeah it's like so it's like a not a condition, but it's like something that he has that, like, yeah. very where he never forgets a name, and yeah. I have no idea if that would be the case or not. I've always actually kind of wondered it, right? Like, if would he be like, oh yeah, Jake St. Louis. I I have no idea, but it was biz- it was totally bizarre at the time.
2: And his Jayhawks tonight against Duke. We can do it tonight. uh, He's not doing anything else. Michigan State, Kentucky at 7. All right, Tony Dungy is going to join us at 8.30. Paris Campbell at 9 o'clock. Will Shaquille Leonard play again this season? We'll talk about that next here.
3: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqal and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
2: Kevin and Corey.
1: 8 o'clock hour underway on Overcast Tuesday. Jake Corey along with Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton here as well. Thank you to Jay Billis for his time. Tony Dungy going to join us just about 30 minutes from now. We will discuss with the former Colts head coach, not just football in America, but I'm sure uh, perhaps last night comes into play, but I would think big time questions, not only about the direction of the Colts, uh, Kev, but also, you know, was Tony Dungy surprised maybe to have Jim say kind of indirectly, would you say snap back at, at Tony Dungy or just kind of respond to Tony Dungy? In terms
2: of Dungie's. Yeah, he's st- very indirectly responded to Tony Dungie. Indirectly, yeah. That's very indirectly, though, and in calling up Bob Kravitz and Mike Chapel last week. Um, did you have any. I, to call them snow flurries would be giving them too much credit, but I swear something was falling out of the sky this morning on my drive
5: in. Did you have yes. any of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's snow on my windshield a little bit. Nothing's sticking, but I just feel like we skipped fall. We're supposed to. I feel like that always happens, though. We go from summer and all of a sudden it's 30 degrees and you're like, I got to get the winter coat out, I guess. Like 75 degrees last week, people playing golf and now it's... It's a 60% chance of snow today. So we might be getting some more white stuff. Uh, Brian screen. Wilkes said not going to stick though, right? I guess it's a little bit of a saving grace. Thanksgiving uh, a week from
2: Thursday, right?
5: Yes. Wait, Thanksgiving's on a Thursday this year? <laughs> now, Where are we off? I been?
1: are we off Friday also? Yeah. Mark, you're off again. You're going somewhere, right?
5: No. Well, yeah, I am. On December? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, you are well, so interested when I take time off.
1: Well, I I you know, I think my contract's coming up here. I need to negotiate. Can I get your
2: Can vac- I have negotiated. a diet in vacation We're the, pla- yeah. package We're the 22nd ranked mid-market show and Jake's trying to negotiate. <laughs> Although I'm looking at this guest list today and I'm thinking do you think this is the Jeff Saturday bump? Do you think everybody thinks they just come on the show now? Joe writes yesterday, they come on the show now, yeah. and boom, they think they're going to get an NFL they, head coaching they, listen, job. They
1: saw pro football talk. I mean, Tony Dungy was reading pro football talk, and he's like, wait, wait a minute, what's this? On the Kevin and Query program?
5: Okay. I'm telling you, we need to put that on a shirt. Jay Billis on, didn't see it because it was on Twitter. <laughs> well, he might his burner account might have. That's true. Come on the Kevin and Query show, and you probably will be offered a head coaching job in some field at some point. Uh,
2: guys, I know about you, but I do not need to see Shaquille Leonard play again. This season um, Talk about a guy that's very active on Twitter Shaquille Linder would certainly fall into that category He's on injured reserve Seeking out another opinion I've heard some whispers Another surgery could be on the table um, Nerve issues I, I No Just shut him down for the rest uh, Allow of the me
1: to ask you this Kevin Bowen The Colts defense this year if if 10 okay if 10 is the highest score a defense can achieve what level what score one to ten does this defense need to be for the Colts to be championship level or contending level it doesn't need to necessarily be a 10 like this season no just in general like in the blueprint of this team oh you would uh, desire a defense that scores at at
2: least a what I would say at least at a eight and a half or nine. I, okay. I'm not I think there's more potential for the defense to carry things than the offense. Okay.
1: This year you would score the Colts defense as what so far in terms of how they have played?
2: Probably about a seven and a half okay turnovers have been lacking edge pass rush lacking so outside of that they've been i think really so sound. the area in your opinion defensively
1: while they have been very good the gap between being very good and being championship level is in fact shaquille leonard
2: <laughs> i think that's part of it i edge pass rush he probably is not helping out in that area but yeah i i do think his ability to take Tur- away i the mean football, that's the turnovers yeah. right but jake when you saw him out there this season you just that dude was a shell of himself and he admitted it. You know, I'm not firing like a. You know, the 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 nerve isn't allowing me to play at the level, the speed, however we want to call it. And he basically was saying last week, I have to watch more film to try and make up for my physical deficiencies right now. And we're talking about a guy that's game is so predicated on elite athleticism in the open field. Plays at 215 pounds. He's got to be that freak athlete to excel to that level. Um I just think Thanksgiving you get- like you said's a week away. You just need to shut him down. You've this has been lingering for over a year. He just he's had June surgeries each of the last 2 years. You need to get something done right here right now. Give him as close to a full calendar year to rehab it and see where he's at in 2023. Do you wonder or do the Colts have to consider
1: Darius Leonard, and I want to make very clear here that I'm saying this almost in support of, of him if this were the case. I'm not saying it is a detriment at all. But Kevin, because Darius Leonard has, to his credit, been very transparent and open about the sometimes dark places where psychologically he can go or mentally where he has you know, depression and those sorts of things, do you allow him a few reps this season still, if permissible, just to to keep his mind and his body fresh and to prohibit him from being shelved to the point of then feeling like he is in a hallway he can't get out of?
2: I understand the question. Uh, my answer would be no, because, Jake, I think when he's on the field at, let's insert a number, 75%, it creates more of a mental burden for him. Okay. Okay. When he sees that he's not all the way back, right? just adds to it. Um, Because, again, he's played at such an incredibly high level throughout the early part of his NFL career. Um, So, again, he's on injury reserve. That means he's out at least four games. I guess yesterday or uh, Sunday would have been the first of four games. So you're looking at Eagles, Steelers, Cowboys, the next three. bye week. Then he could return for the Final Four. That would be Vikings, Chargers, Giants, Texans. Do you consider the Vikings for real? I've considered them the Colts of the NFC the last few years. Yeah, right. So, like, do you think of them... this are we starting, Sunday was a big step for. Are we seeing what people thought
1: of the Colts? Like, like, last year, when we're in here doing the show... And camera crews are following us all around, mostly for us, with hard knocks. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, Colts, Patriots. Colts are suddenly like the team in the AFC. We're all in. They're balanced. They can do a million things. Carson Wentz is playing well. Did the rest of the league, while we were sitting here thinking that the Colts were the darlings of the AFC and the Colts were the team that nationally people thought had Super Bowl-level contention about them, In reality, Kevin, was the rest of the league looking at the Colts the same way? We're looking at Minnesota right now, which is
2: like, yeah, I mean, I guess they are pretty good. I think you're looking at Minnesota with a tad more of intrigue because they have a Justin Jefferson. He is a stud, man. Zadarius Smith has been huge for them off the edge. They traded for TJ Hawkinson. Dalvin Cook is... You know, in the Jonathan Taylor conversation, in terms of running backs, I think they've just got a little bit more potency. I mean, Kirk Cousins is still Kirk Cousins to some level, but um, I mean, they're running away with the NFC North, so they're going to have. And if they NFC every team
1: in the NFC North sucks though,
2: (laughs) right? But but what I'm how dare you? What I'm getting at is they're at least going to have one home game. And Jake, look at the NFC East right now: Eagles at eight and one, Giants at seven and two, Cowboys six and three. Commanders 5-5. Five and five. If those teams just start beating each other up, you can be looking at the number 1 seed Minnesota Vikings yeah. come playoff time. Uh, and I think that's a really tough place to play when things get rocking in there. Um, one thing to note on the Leonard front, Jake, too, is you have free agents this year in Bobby Okereke and EJ Speed. Really, really curious to see how this Leonard situation impacts Okereke and Speed Um Shaquille Leonard's under contract through 2025. Zaire Franklin's under contract for a couple more seasons. You've invested a lot of money at linebacker. Teams typically only use two, maybe three linebackers on a game day. It's been a position Chris Ballard has drafted very well. Is Chris Ballard here next year? Is Gus Bradley here next year? Um, You look at what the Bears did this past year, or I guess this past month. Mark saw it firsthand. Matt Eberflusse. I'm sure had some say in saying, yeah, we don't need Roquan Smith not at that price tag that he wants. You know, how much do you continue to value linebacker if there is a post-Ballard era or a different defensive coordinator here? Um, I haven't had linebacker very high on the interesting storyline list. Entering past off seasons for many reasons, it's pretty high on my list. Just more so out of curiosity. I don't think it's like a huge position that's going to influence the direction of this football team moving forward but there's a lot of decisions to be made there with your own guys and then a couple free agents you, you know what i'd like to see if minnesota gets
1: to the nfc title game they need to go back to the glory of when they and I can't remember if it was like sixty nine or seventy in the NFC title game when they decided that they were gonna put two Vikings in a ship and then uh, light it up like a hot air balloon. Did you ever see this?
2: Oh yeah, you what, you've had us watch well, they, this video. They
1: had the kid now they had the kid at halftime one year to promote the like Saint Paul Carnival, they had some nine-year-old kid get in a hot air balloon, and the tethering broke, and it sailed off and just went right out of the stadium. Uh, and theoretically, he was gone forever. And the crowd basically just went, "Ooh, well that sucks," and then went back to the game. And that was odd.
8: Hey, the half starting <laughs> up, the second half
1: starting. <laughs> he, he crashed in the Minnesota River, and they had like an all. Some is he okay? <laughs> some fisherman found him and returned him to the stadium. Well, he's like where they seventy had, now. Yeah, he is. Um, yeah, he was okay. They took him back to the stadium, and they took his clothing uh, and put it in the dryers at the stadium and so that he could warm up, and then he went and watched the th- fourth quarter with Mom and Dad. A little but
5: hypothermia, then, that's all right. Watch yeah, these Vikings do uh, their thing. Nothing some so, cotton candy won't, won't so, care for little Johnny.
1: I mean, he literally went like, you know— Whatever, like 7,000 feet in the air and blew out of the stadium right over the lighting. But then that wasn't enough for Minnesota to learn their lesson. They decided to to keep the fans captivated. They would put a Viking in a Viking ship and have it be a hot air balloon. And it was supposed to go like 100 feet in the air, and that was it. Big gust of wind came, and it flew in and smashed right into the stands. And then the balloon was wrapped around the concourse of the stadium with the, the little contraption he was in. Getting flapped back and forth and slamming into the seats to the scurry of thousands of fans, and I, that Viking might have been hurt actually, and they they couldn't figure out how to like get it untangled, and they, it delayed the game. This is the NFC Championship game. They need to do that kind of thing just to kind of get you know Prince can't play right, so they need Jeez. to do this kind of thing to get people excited. They have the skull chances now. Cities. Well, and again, we're trying to get kids off the tobacco, so we want to do away with the Skull Chant and just get the Viking flying around through the air. You never know where he's going to crash. I mean, it's exciting. That's what they need to, to spruce things up.
2: Daddy's Daddy, right. that's Ragnar, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he looked like. Um, speaking of Twitter yesterday, what did you make of Jim Irsay's, um, I would say, rather uh, kiss my ring sort of tweet. After the Bill Cowher, Joe Thomas, heavy national media comments from yesterday. For those that missed it, I guess maybe I should read off. Read read, and and then I'll tell you you what I think
1: because I'm afraid, Kevin, that I'm going to offend you.
2: Uh, Jim Irsay yesterday afternoon. All you critics, you criticize all of us in the NFL for losing when we make moves to win. You act so righteous. Quote, who you crapping? End quote. Just win, baby. I think it's a little tongue-in-cheek, but
1: when added with his press conference from Monday... You mean last Monday? The one, the the Jeff Saturday hiring press conference. Not a lot. 10%. But there is a part of me that is growing concerned about his involvement within the team that seems to be used in an overcompensatory fashion of his own anger towards people who question him.
5: And if I was a fan, I would be... I would have one eye on that. That's like how it was like a one-game sample size. Like,
2: see, everything's fixed! I was right!
5: Is that hypercritical of me, Kevin, or is that fair?
2: Jake, for about the past month now, I've said I think Jim Mercer's on a power trip. And I think there's a lot of evidence to point to that. I think he's emotionally charged power trip owner right now. And while some of the decisions um, made some sense, I think how he's gone about things, and again, this continued, I'll be public facing when we win, and I won't say a word when we lose. I just think that's a really wrong message to send to your fan base. Lacks accountability from the top. And I guess what you're getting at there is, if this continues, what else is he involved with in decision making? Is that where you're kind of going with that? Of like. I think the Colts like were. When is the point in time where you hire the GM and you hire the head coach and you let them do their respective activities? And maybe Jeff Saturday is that.
1: I think the best era of Colts football was when you didn't hear a lot from the owner. And that's not to say that it's because you didn't hear a lot from the owner, and more so just because you had, he had hired people that were capable of running the franchise, or he felt capable of running the franchise as like the adults in the room. And now it feels like he has hired people that he feels like. I'm not saying. that this is the case i think he sees them as i'm giving young people their first opportunities and one of the things that comes with that is that means that they are indebted to me and have to answer to me
2: i will say i think the amount of national just outrage got to be way over the top so i understand where ursay is totally feeling a bit of like you
1: get that yes that's fair
2: that's total normal i think human reaction but Again, there's like seven or eight of these sorts of things you can point to over the past month where it's like, this is slippery Kevin, slope. what do Chuck Pagano, Ryan Grigson,
1: Frank Reich, Chris Ballard, and Jeff Saturday, what do all of those men have in common? That, Tony Dungy, Bill Pullian, Jim Mora, And Bill Tobin did not. All of them were serving their role with the Indianapolis Colts as first-time opportunities in the National Football League in that role. Every one of them. Ryan Grigson had never been a GM when Jim Irsay hired him. Chuck Pagano had never been a coach when Jim Irsay hired him, head coach. Chris Ballard had never been a GM when Jim Mercer hired him. Jeff Saturday had never been a head coach when Jim Mercer hired him. Frank Reich had never been a head coach when Jim Mercer hired him. All of the other men that I mentioned to you came in here where they didn't need Jim Mercer for their resume. All of the men that I mentioned in that list do. And so as a result of that, even though I don't think that I think that Jim Mercer, I think Jim Mercy really wants to be the guy who is seen as having discovered new young talent where he bucked trends, and it was his outside-the-box thinking that gave people opportunities that manifested right here in Indianapolis. But the byproduct of that is you then have people in position that don't have the credibility resume fallback to be able to occasionally look at the owner and say, I don't think we need to go that direction. And so in the end, even though it may be subliminally, all of those men that I just mentioned know – That they have to defer to the implications from the owner in certain issues and that would give me pause
2: so you see him continuing to go down the route of hiring people that I mean hell I guess he said he likes it Jeff Saturday doesn't have NFL head coaching experience do you think when he makes head coaching GM hires in the future he'll continue to opt for the new people in those roles based off retreads for lack of a better term
1: so far, there's been nothing to indicate otherwise. What's up, man? What you, talk about? you know, that's. I'm not saying it's even a bad thing, really. I get it. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, per se, but a Bill Pullion or a Tony Dungy, <coughs> the one thing those guys all had in common is they all knew at any point they could say, I don't need this. I can go anywhere. And I think he. Not even consciously, but he knows that he now has guys underneath him that can't say that, which means that ultimately he has, everyone knows, and he owns the team, he has that right. He absolutely has that right, but everyone knows where the buck stops.
2: Yeah, I think Pullian and dungie I mean, instant success too. Whereas you reach year five and year six of this current regime, you reach year five of the Ballard or of the Griggs and Pagano regime, it was trending in opposite directions. Year five of Dungy and Polian, it was perennial Super Bowl type of team. Right. The results, I think, have indicated too here, to be fair to Ursay, the, the results have called for some very, very in-organization thinking on how your operation is going. I, I, I will go back to Kevin again. In
1: 2008, if you stopped people on the street and played word association and said Indianapolis Colts, people said Peyton Manning or Bill Polian. Most 15-year-old kids in this city in 2010 probably thought Bill Polian owned the Colts. And I'll give Ursay credit. I mean, he, he, he sat back and let him do his thing. But I do think, by human nature... Eventually, he got tired of having other names that were as synonymous with the organization as Ursae, as the name Ursay. And then all of a sudden, what did you have? You had, he was a more out front owner. You had his name around, about, and around in town and putting his name on buildings. And that's cool. I mean, that's all philanthropically based. I get it. But I think as is his right and understandably so, I think that Jim Irsay had a shift where he wanted to make sure that he was leaving a legacy in Indianapolis and that people were very clear as to who Ursay was. And he didn't have to do that in the, the late 90s, early 2000s. And I think that what we're seeing now is simply an owner that is saying, let's not forget who owns this football team.
2: And that's just right. Tony Dungy joins us in about five minutes. Time for a morning checkdown here on Kevin and Corey. Let's-
0: a Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
2: Undefeated no longer. The Washington Commanders beat the Philadelphia Eagles last night. Uh, the final score, 32-21. They got a touchdown on the final play of the game. Washington, as the Eagles tried to lateral it. Uh, four turnovers for Philly last night. They had three all season long. They scored just seven points in the final three quarters. Jake, I think it's kind of good news, bad news. Good news if you're the Colts playing the Eagles this Sunday. You saw the ideal blueprint to beat them. And there are some concerns about Philadelphia stopping the run right now. Um, They also, I think, were a little banged up. And now it's a short week. Bad news is you're going to get a pretty pissed off football team that I think looks at the NFC East and they've got to think to themselves, hey, if we have any slip up here, we're going to be fighting for a wild card spot the rest of the way. You're not sneaking up on them now,
1: right? Um, No question about that. And again, you made a good point earlier. Carson Wentz now, I, the number of snaps that he needs to take in order for the Colts to move up in terms of the pick of what they get back from Washington, looks like that's going to yeah,
2: be a third they rounder. They cannot right? bench Taylor Heineke at this point. So yeah, it looks like a third rounder from
5: Washington, not a second rounder. They kind of were talking to him in the post game, though. They're like, well, this might be it for you. He's like, yeah, if it is, it is. I'm like, there's no way. Right. No chance. There's no way. They're 3 and 1 with him.
2: Under center of the season, no chance. College basketball last night, Penn State 68-62 over Butler.
1: It was Chicago State handing wide, their third loss in as many attempts, 68-58. And Purdue-Fort Wayne, which I think is now, aren't they just Fort Wayne? Are they back to Purdue-Fort Wayne? Do we know? It's still the Mastodons. They are still the Mastodons. Uh, 111-31 to over Manchester last night. Purdue it's an eighty point win by the way.
2: The Boilermakers hosting Marquette tonight at Mackey. Um, you've got Indiana at Xavier coming up on Friday. Again, these are these Gavit games, Big Ten, Big East games. Tonight, the Champions Classic over at GameBridge Fieldhouse. We had Jay Billis on earlier to chat about that. It is Kentucky and Michigan State at seven. Duke and Kansas at nine thirty. <laughs> Uh, yesterday we heard from Jeff Saturday, his Monday press conference. A little bit different than last week. Here was the Colts head coach, the only undefeated coach in the NFL right now, on his first win.
4: To get a win, really for the guys in this building, for the staff, Um, man, it, it meant the world, just, just all the effort and energy that went in was, uh, and the physical and mental fatigue, these guys had to be over long trip, long trip back home. And, uh, but man, so appreciative of the effort. And I think that to me was what I appreciated most.
1: Jeff Saturday, again, Colts Eagles coming up and Tony Dungy.
3: Life is so much more than a diagnosis.
1: Guy that has manned the sidelines for the Colts. He's going to join us next. Kevin Inquiry here on a Tuesday, 93.5, The Fan. Here, I don't know if
2: I would have said that, but kudos to him. I would think they'd have to be, right? Yeah. There's not a lot of must signs he would fall into that category. He,
1: uh, he Listen, it might be in a different role than what was envisioned for him when he was drafted, but he has absolutely played himself into a, a role that is very important for them, right? Yeah.
2: Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Right now, though, Tony Dungy. That's Football Night in America analyst. Obviously, former Colts head coach. Coverage of Chiefs and Chargers begins this Sunday night, Football Night in America. 7 o'clock on NBC and Peacock, and the coach joins us right now. Tony, always good to hear your voice, especially in this market. Thank you.
8: Yeah, it's good to be
6: with you. And all of a sudden, things are getting interesting at in the NFL. <laughs> Buffalo <laughs> loses, Philadelphia loses, Colts win. <laughs> it's fun. Let me
1: tell you something, Coach. I, You know, I was thinking to myself, well, we do this show from 7 to 10. We probably could just say to Tony Dungy at 7.02, hey, what's going on with the Colts? And then come back and pick things up at 10, right? I mean, it's yeah. been a loaded week for us.
6: Crazy. I, I've not experienced anything like this. Um, it's just uh, hard to, to perceive, but I'll tell you, the team responded very, very well last week, and hopefully we can keep it going again this week.
7: Coach, when you look
1: at, you know, you were obviously part of this organization and saw it from the inside, and I was just telling Kevin, to me it's it's fascinating because with you and, and Bill Polian, two men who had already very solidified resumes before you arrived in Indianapolis. And since then, Jim Merce has often had p- people in those roles that it was their first opportunity here in Indianapolis. Does that change the dynamic between owner and those working underneath them and the level of, I guess, power that they could have to not have to fall underneath what the owner wants or says?
6: I don't think so. I think it all depends on, on personality. And i tell you, when I was there, Jim was – great to work with and work for uh we had conversations regularly uh he shared his input we shared ideas bill and jim and i and and we moved forward uh i'm assuming it, it's that way and i'm assuming that uh jeff has done the same thing uh just just the way i did when when i first got there so it, it's hard to say it, jim has an idea of what he wants to do though and, and i i can tell you um he when he gets those ideas, he, he's got a very strong opinion about it. He thought Jeff was the best man for the job at this point in time, and he pulled the trigger and made that decision. In 2002, which was 20 years ago, he called me the same way. He said, you're the guy I want. I'm not talking to anybody else. Uh, you're the guy I want. I want to put something together like the Steelers had. I want to be part of the community. We've got to get things going. We've got to, the things that you bring, that's what I want and he, he had a very strong opinion about that, and, and that's just the way he is.
2: It's Tony Dungy's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I want to go back to a week ago Monday, Tony, if you don't mind, and um, just your initial reaction when you heard the Frank Reich news and then a few hours later when you heard the Jeff Saturday news.
6: Well, I was shocked about the, the Frank news because I just felt like the team was still in it. Uh, this has been a crazy year in the NFL, uh, and, you know, you look at a team like Green Bay was on a, on a four game losing streak. And so things like that were going on. The Colts are right in the middle of the race. And I'm thinking, just Frank will get this going. But once they made a decision, and I don't know why that decision was made to change, uh, once they made the decision, then you start thinking, okay, well, who is going to take over? Who is Jim going to get? Uh, you look at people on the staff and that, that could work, but, Jeff, the more I thought about it, it was really kind of logical. He had been with the organization for a long time. He had been with Frank in training camp. He knew the offense. Uh, He knew the terminology. There's very few people you could get from the outside that would have that. And he had this relationship with Jim. Uh, He's a guy who was a leader. He could galvanize the locker room. And the offensive line was the one unit that was underperforming. So who better than just Saturday to maybe re-energize that offensive line. So at first you say, this is is weird, this is crazy. But then the more you really thought about it, it made sense.
1: Tony Dungy is our guest, of course, Football Night in America. He is the analyst there on NBC. Tony, to me, the thing that I I just can't get out of my head is – In terms of the coaching change in Jeff Saturday, I agree with what you said that there are areas there where that makes sense. And I, like most, who doesn't love Jeff Saturday, right? He's a very likable and believing in guy. But I keep going back to Tony, and I want your thought on it. I don't know why they went to Sam Ellinger when they did. And I felt like that put them in a serious hole in the season that now they are having to make up for because they're behind the eight ball based on a peculiar decision to me that really didn't have much sense other than the owner wanted to see what a young guy could do. Your thoughts?
6: I What I didn't understand, I could see turning to Sam Ellinger. What I didn't understand was when they said uh, Matt Ryan is going to not play the rest of the year, that Sam is going to be the quarterback the rest of the year. That struck me as odd because I said we, we haven't seen Sam take a snap in the NFL in a real game. How do we know how he's going to do? How can you say he's going to go forward for the rest of the year? And I think that's one of the things that Jeff brought to the table. I don't know who made the decision to put Matt back in, how that came down. But that was the thing that that sparked them and energized them uh, on Sunday. You could see that. They they were much more efficient, uh, different way of doing things, too. Matt had been sacked a lot uh, previously. Now you go into Las Vegas, and it's – running the football, play action passes, quick rhythm, taking some stress off the offensive line, only one sack in the entire game against a team that has good pass rushers. So uh, a couple of things changed. They are putting Matt back in and a little bit different rhythm on offense, and uh, it was effective.
2: Tony with uh, and Tony Dungy with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, you know, Jeff walks in the building and you know immediately he becomes more of a CEO as a head coach. You know Gus Bradley obviously running the defense still, and then Parks Fraser the new play caller. That was the route that you chose as a head coach, and I'm curious why you decided that and, and what makes you think like that is kind of the successful route to go uh, as an NFL head coach.
6: Well, there are a lot of ways to do it. And you see the guys like the Sean and that run the offense and Mike Holmgren, you know, kind of started that. Bill Walsh started that. And that's a way to do it. Um, other guys on defense, Brandon Staley has done a great job with the Chargers and he runs the defense and calls the defense. Um, but for me, I played for Chuck Knoll and he delegated. And I saw that, and I saw how he did it. That's how I grew up. I went and played one year for Bill Walsh, and Bill Walsh was very successful Hall of Fame coach. But I felt like, as a defensive player, I felt like we were the step kids, And the, the head coach was really the offensive coordinator. Everything he did involved the offense, and he'd stick his head in the defensive meetings occasionally. Um, so for me, I just wanted the team to know, yeah, I had my pulse, uh, my finger on the pulse of everything. I was there for everybody. Not to say my way is better. That's just the way I chose to do it. I saw Denny Green do it that way. He was very successful. Uh, Chuck Knoll, Marty Schottenheimer, the guys I worked for.
1: Tony, it seems to me, and again, I want to preface, you know, like, I, I mean, I really like Jim Mersey, and I know fans here like Jim Mersey. so... Uh, you know, I don't want that to to be misunderstood. But it seems to me like Jim Mercsey this particular season is almost more, as you talked about, like he has his strong convictions, right? It seems like he is he is more vociferous of that than we have seen in years past, almost to the point of being defensive. I realize you're not in Indianapolis. But when you assess and you see the tweets and the comments and maybe even his surprise from your comments about the quarterbacking position, et cetera, two-part question and one would be do you have dialogue with him and number two am i off base in saying that it just seems like he's a little more forceful with things this year than he has been in the past
6: uh yeah he's definitely been more uh vocal and i i see the comments too and uh he's, he's into it and he's you know he's part of it and uh, seems like more involved in the decision-making process. I didn't see that side of Jim when I was there. We'd have the conversation. He'd have his input. He'd talk to us. Social media, I guess, is just getting bigger and, and, and more out there now uh, than, than I'm used to. But, you know, Jim is an involved owner, and he does have convictions. And uh, I, I think you're seeing more of that. I, I think you're correct.
1: Do you have dialogue with them? I mean, like, what's your relationship with him? And is there any chance that his level of that is crossing over into detrimental?
6: Um, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I do talk to him. And I had not talked. We don't talk every day. And I didn't talk to him at all about this decision. If I had of, I, I would have said, hey, you need to keep Frank and ride this out. You're still in, in the race. Let him turn it around. Uh, but, no, I didn't have a discussion on either of those, on letting Frank go or hiring Jeff. And the only thing i say is, is it detrimental or not, is if you make good decisions and they work, it's good. <laughs> right. If you don't, it's, it's, it's bad. And, and that's what I was telling people with this Jeff Saturday thing. Everybody had weighed in, oh, and this no experience, and this is awful, and how's it going to work? You don't know. You have to wait and see, and if the decision ends up working, then, then it's a good call. And that, that's the bottom line. Uh, when I, I was in Pittsburgh, Dan Rooney made, you know, very calculated decisions. They weren't always popular. He did some uncharacteristic things. He hired young coaches. Uh, I remember when uh, our Super Bowl year, he hired Mike Tomlin. Mike was a one-year defensive coordinator with the Minnesota Vikings. There were four assistant coaches on the Steelers' staff at that time who were great coaches who had been there. Bruce Arians was on that staff as a quarterback coach. Ken Wisenhut, both those guys took teams to the Super Bowl. Dick LeBeau had been a longtime assistant, had been a head coach before. Uh, Russ Grimm was on that staff. And Dan went outside and hired a one-year defensive coordinator because he had conviction that that's what he wanted. People were critical at, at that time. But you know what? It worked. Do you uh, believe if that Jeff Sa- had been a flop? It, it, then it, maybe it's a bad decision.
1: Do you believe Tony Dungy that Jeff Saturday's hiring within the building is done with higher vision for his role within the franchise beyond just head coach?
6: I don't know. Uh, it it might have been. I, I really think that it was done for this interim. You had 24 hours to to select who's going to be the best guy. Um, there aren't very many candidates that you can get. You either have to hire someone on the staff or somebody who's not under contract to another NFL team. So that limits you as to who you can get. I think he felt like for this season and time, for this moment, Jeff was the best person. Uh, eight weeks down the road, we get to the end of the year, I think he'll reevaluate. Maybe Jeff does a, a great job and he sees some things in him that you you keep going uh, but maybe at the, uh, I know at the end of the year they'll have a, a full-blown okay let's see what's the best thing for our franchise going forward
2: you'll see Tony coming up this Sunday night again it's Chiefs Chargers football night in America at 7 p.m. on NBC and Peacock on the Jeff Saturday front Tony you know his you know, his path to becoming an NFL Pro Bowl caliber, Hall of Fame caliber player is pretty darn remarkable. His relationship with Peyton Manning, of course, is well, well documented. How much do you think that background gives Jeff, you know, some of that I don't know if instant sort of rapport with players, but allowed him to walk into a building that probably not a lot of guys had a direct relationship with and clearly for one week they reacted in a um, in a pretty kind of banded together manner
8: well jeff
6: is a leader jeff is a people person uh jeff is a winner so a lot of things that you're looking for he had uh as the offensive center he's involved in a lot of the game planning he's involved in a lot of the not necessarily the play calling but how we're going to do it when Peyton would call change plays at the line of scrimmage jeff how are we going to block this in, in two seconds making decisions uh, letting other people know, he's running offensive line meetings and helping other people. He's communicating with everybody, and so he had that training. He had a lot of things in place that you need um, to to be a coach. He just didn't have experience. So uh, I, I I saw where Jim was going with it. Yes, it's unconventional, but there were a lot of things that Jeff had that people don't realize uh, that that made him uh, an attractive candidate.
2: Tony, last one from me. Um, Jim Mersey behind the scenes certainly wanted Matt Ryan benched. He wanted him benched, you know, a couple of weeks prior to it, it actually happening. In your tenure here, did Jim ever mandate playing time for you?
6: Never. Never. And, you know, he had his favorites. He, you know, he loved guys. and Edwin James was his favorite player. And so that was a tough discussion. And we had to, to talk about do we redo Edgren's contract? Do we let him become a free agent? And, you know, I know his feelings about Edgren came into that, but at the end of the day, it was, let's do what's best for the team. So we had those type of discussions, but there was never a, you know, hey, we're trading this guy or we're playing this guy. Uh, that just didn't, it, it just didn't come up that way.
1: Tony, you, like Jeff Saturday, came into the league as an undrafted player. Do you think that you would have had the same coaching career? If Did that allow you to better resonate with the totality of the roster because you could relate to every guy top to bottom on the roster? And would you have been the same coach if you would have come in as you know a first-round top 15 draft pick?
6: Um, I'm, I'm not sure about that. I, I know what shaped my coaching philosophy was uh, the team that I played for and the, the coach that I played for. And... Uh, I did do very, very similar to Jeff. I only played three years and I was brought back as the defensive backfield coach to coach guys who taught me how to play. I had no experience. I had never coached before. Now I wasn't brought back as the head coach, but it was a kind of a ridiculous move at the time to hire a 25 year old uh, free agent safety man who had, you know, never coached before to coach uh, steel curtain defensive backs. So, I kind of know what Jeff was going through. And uh, I think Coach Noel hired me because I worked hard at my craft. I was a good communicator, and I studied the game. And I think you had to do that to kind of make the team as a free agent. And I think Jeff did the same thing. And people see that. People see how hard you work. People see that you're a good communicator. They see that you're a team guy. And that resonates. That resonated with Coach Noel for me, and I think it resonated for Jim Irsay with Jeff.
1: Lastly, what do you miss most about Indianapolis, and why is it Country Kitchen?
6: Uh, <laughs> I miss some eating spots there, Country Kitchen being one of them. I, I miss that walk across the uh, downtown into the, the stadium. I miss the RCA Dome and the atmosphere there, and the, I miss the people. So uh, those relationships, I think, are what you miss most. I wish I could get there more often.
2: Tony, I'm going to sneak in one last one, I apologize, but um, as we get to this kind of head coaching carousel that will inevitably happen in early January, you think Jim Caldwell still wants to be an NFL head coach?
6: Yes, he does. I've talked to Jim, and he was in on a couple of uh, situations last year, and I, I think he would enjoy that. And. I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't think he's at the point where he wants to come back as an offensive coordinator or quarterback coach, but I, I do think he would come back as a head coach.
2: Interesting.
1: I'll tell you what, Tony. If Jeff Saturday can take some of the things that he learned from the guy he played for in Indianapolis and carry those forward as a head coach on and off the field, I think people around here be be uh, just fine with it, right? Just fine with it. But we'll see, well, as you said, we'll <laughs> see where things fall, right?
6: We will. And uh, I'm pulling for Jeff. I'm pulling for the Colts organization. As I said, it was unusual, uh, but we'll see what happens, and and we just have to judge by the results.
2: Tony, enjoy watching every Sunday night, football night in America, and thanks for making time for us on this Tuesday morning.
6: All right, thank you guys. Always good to talk Colts ball.
2: That's Tony Dungy right there. Again, football night in America, Chiefs and Chargers coming up Sunday night beginning at 7 o'clock. On NBC, the Caldwell name, Jake. You know, I've thought about. Okay, you know, if Jeff Saturday would migrate into more of a front office type role, you know, would he be on any short list? I, I he is absolutely
1: Jim Caldwell. I think one of those guys that Kevin, truthfully, like under the Lions should have never fired. Underappreciated, right? I mean, ask Detroit. You go five hundred in Detroit. I mean. You go 500 in Detroit. Right. Now I know again, that you're not overly. I know that he's not overly sexy. I get it.
2: And he falls probably a little bit more in the Frank Wright type of leader than the Jeff Saturday type of leader. Fair. You know, would that impact yeah. some things? But you know, these are all names that have popped into my head over the last couple of days thinking about what it looks like. And obviously, Jeff Saturday himself will have a whole lot of say in whether he's going to be the head coach here permanently or not. All right, Paris Campbell in 10 minutes, Kevin Aquary. Paris Campbell going to join us here in a few minutes. Uh, this from Colin and I've gotten kind of the similar question from a few people this morning. Thoughts on Chris Ballard's face during the post game locker room pictures. Um, the Chris Ballard body language shots last Monday. And I guess this past Sunday seems to be getting a lot of attention. Um, not a lot of outward emotion out to of him. To be fair, Chris room. Ballard looks
1: like he probably needs contacts because he's squint. He's look, he, like, I think he. No, it's kind of like me. I'm a, I'm
2: a big squinter.
1: Yeah. I think the reality is this the reality is it's fun to to poke fun at, and we probably are going with some sort of a psychological, like, power of suggestion thing because he's done himself no favors in terms of the press conference, sitting with his arms folded and acting angry and defiant the entire time. Uh, They just won a football game. I I, I cannot, for the life of me, begin to imagine that he wasn't anything other than thrilled over the fact that they'd won a football game. But uh, he looked like he wanted to be anywhere other than that football game.
2: Yeah, I think I mentioned this on Friday internally. (laughs) Colts looked at those pictures of him in the press conference last Monday and said, yeah, we can't put those up on the website. That's an awful look, and I'm very. It's why I asked Jim Mersey the question a week ago Monday. Is Chris Ballard going to be here next season? I I see reasons for both sides of that party to question the future relationship. If you're Jim Mersey, there's probably an element of you you're thinking, "Wait, if I fire Chris Ballard, that means I'm paying Frank Reich through 2026, and I'm paying Chris Ballard through 2026."
1: Yeah, I mean, what? It's like 20 bucks to me or you, right?
2: But still, I mean that's I mean I get that's it. that's something. Um, and if Jeff Saturday is your permanent head coach, you know, would you then be hiring a GM above Jeff Saturday? Like, that's not how typical front office hierarchy works in the NFL. That's probably another thing you got to factor in. Um, and then if Ballard himself thinks his voice is not being heard to the level that it was, would he want to be here? Does he trust his resume? Does he think he'd get a job elsewhere? Um, I do think Ballard likes the idea of Saturday's leadership. I think that's a big, big quality that Ballard has always talked about, even though he um, probably didn't agree with the initial move. Um, So I think we have just, as so many questions with this franchise right now, leading into 2023, what happens there is pretty close to the top. Of the list, I,
1: it, it, the other question I would have about Ballard in the locker room is: it, Was he wearing slippers?
5: Oh, I didn't, I didn't catch the um, the feet. He's I got like on he was dress shoes without socks. That, is, that's
1: kind of the new thing, right? It is, but Chris Ballard's got a lot more fashion sense than I. But I wouldn't wear light brown with like a dark suit.
2: Look like at that. Jake Quarry goes to Europe for a week and I'd he's a fashionista <laughs> when he comes back. Unbelievable! I'd have gone with black socks
1: or black shoes, not the light brown. and everything in between. So the belt's got to match the shoes.
2: Paris Campbell next. Jake, I think in terms of individual feel-good stories for Colts Colts players, I guess, in 2022, I'm not sure if anyone tops what Paris Campbell has done so far this season and being available and I think showing... Um, a lot of the signs that uh, we saw at Ohio State certainly Indiana fans saw it, and watching him play at Ohio State, and uh, now we're seeing it on a really consistent week in week out basis here at the NFL level. And in year four, Paris Campbell joins us right now on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Paris, good morning.
7: Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing?
2: We're doing great. We hope you are as well today technically is an off day we heard Jeff Saturday say victory Monday see on Wednesday and I think we heard that cheer back in Indy um from you guys in the locker room in Vegas what is an off day to you
7: man off day is just uh another day to get an advantage step for the week uh it's a day to take care of my body man um you know relax get away from ball But don't get too out of tune. So, like I said, just take care of my body. Um, You know, fuel the right way, recover the right way, and uh, I think I I think of an all day as an advantage day.
1: Paris, I want to go back a little bit on on the clock here, and I'll use kind of a, a an example of this. I don't recall when it was. Kevin, when did we do the knockout with Paris Campbell at the Pacer game? Was that last
2: Yeah, sometime December? last year, yeah. yeah. So, last year, yeah. yeah. Okay. I try and, to forget about that, Paris. Yeah, you I think wouldn't. I missed seven straight
1: layups to start Kevin the game. was gone early, so you wouldn't remember that he was in the game. Now, it came down basically to myself, you, and Fred Jones, who was the ringer, yep. right? Yep, you you yep. were pretty good. Like The three of us had a pretty good little rhythm going there in terms of our free throws. Absolutely. But I, okay. I, I thought it was applicable to your career so far and by that i mean and i hope you don't get offended when i say it this way but i will admit no, to no, no. <laughs> you you hung around longer than i expected you to and by that i yeah. mean there were times where i wondered if paris campbell was going to be a reliable player for the colts because of injuries primarily mm-hmm. for you personally can you take us through psychologically whether or not you also had those same doubts and how you fought through them
7: yeah, um, you know, I think I 100% had those same doubts. Um, you know, obviously rookie year, uh, the injuries that I had, I had, what, three different surgeries that year. Uh, it was the first, th- first time that I've ever had to, you know, have anything surgically repaired or anything of that nature or missed time. Um, so that year was tough for me, but I didn't really truly, you know, feel kind of the doubts yet. Um, I think my second year going in, you know, excited to be back, be healthy. Um, Going in, we played Jacksonville week one that year, had a good game. You know, I could kind of see the the tide turning for myself. And then week two, um, by MCL, PCL, Um, you know, that by far was the hardest thing that I had to endure um, as a football player. And, um, you know, that rehab was so tough. Uh, I really couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel just because, you know, I was um, going through so much and, you know, I didn't didn't seem to be making progress uh, with my knee. Um, and so I had doubts of, you know, will I be able to get back to the player that I once was? Uh, will I get back to, you know, being able to kind of come prove myself in this league? Will I get my opportunity to do that? And, uh, you know, I think year two is really when those doubts set in. Um, but the one thing or the two things that really uh, kept me on a positive note is number one, my faith, um, and number two, my family, man. Those two things go hand-in-hand for me. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm really big on those two things, and uh, that's what kind of carried the, the, the load for me, just, you know, when I was struggling mentally, uh, struggling physically, um, and then obviously, you know, going into year three, um, having to kind of, you know, almost reinvent myself after the knee injury because, man, like you gotta, you gotta do so much to get back from a knee injury, um, and you know, kind of going through camp in the first five weeks of the season, uh, it was tough for me, man, because I really, really would never had a a comfortability level that I I felt, you know, good at, um, and so obviously, you know, week six, um, you know, scoring the long touchdown uh, versus the Texans, but uh, getting hurt on the play. It was kind of just like, oh man, like this, this is happening again. Like, you know, like is this, is this really worth it? Almost, you know what I mean? Like, is, is everything that I've gone through really worth it? Um, and I just kind of, you know, seeing that door close again, once again on me in year three. And um, I, to be honest, those same doubts set in, but they didn't set in as hard because what I had going through with my knee, man, like I felt like I could overcome anything, um, and that was a big thing for me. Like I was able to stay positive uh, through my foot injury in, in year three, and. Um, you know, I was I just was able to stay motivated through it all.
2: You're showing up on my time hop today, not to bring up this memory, was your broken hand and the and the picture of that? Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. I say this in all yeah. <laughs> sincerity. It's one of the grossest pictures I've ever seen. So
7: Nah, it uh, was brutal. It was brutal. <laughs> oh,
2: man, uh, yeah, I can only imagine. Um I I wonder if you are are, are feeling this, because I feel it watching you play. Like, And again, Paris Campbell joins us right now. You go back to the Jacksonville game, back to the Tennessee game last month. Like you had big catch outings in both of those games. But I look at the two plays you made against Washington. One on the screen, one on that jet sweep, which you took for like a 30-yarder. The touchdown last week. I look at those plays and think to myself... That's Ohio State, Paris Campbell. Like, that mm-hmm. is, I think, what I think everybody kind of envisioned when you're drafted. Do you feel like you've now shown in these last couple of games like almost a different gear than we've seen in in flashes through your first couple seasons?
7: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, that, like, you know, you said people 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 thought they would see that, uh, you know, in the league. And, shoot, I thought I would see that in the league. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I know the type of player that I am. Um, but yeah, I mean, those plays, you know, show, you know, the type of player that I can be. And um that's that's just what I've been wanting to get back to, man. That's what I've I've dreamed of doing in this league, man, just being a playmaker, uh obviously being available for my team. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's been a long road. It's been a long road. But um, I can hundred percent say that, like I'm, I'm playing right now. Like I have the most confidence that I've ever had in the league. I'm having the most fun that I've ever had in the league. And obviously, you know, that's all just because I'm available. You know, I'm healthy, um, and I'm able to go out there and make those plays. And you know, my coaches are giving me opportunities.
1: So you were like in kindergarten when he was in high school, but you went to the same high school as LeBron, correct?
7: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so how
1: often did LeBron come back and hang out at your high school and? Like, how many times did you meet LeBron?
7: Yeah, well, I actually met uh, LeBron a couple of times. Uh, You know, he came back. During the NBA lockout, he actually came and practiced with our football team. Like, he came out there in full gear, and his dude was out there practicing, running routes, snagging football. Like, it it was nobody's business. (laughs) Uh, Dude looked like Megatron out there. But, uh, so, that was one time, and then he came back. Uh, He used to come back to a lot of games, uh, you know, come and watch games. And um, then my senior year, he came back and did a whole, like, Nike um, unveil for for the uniforms. he got new new uniforms for every sports team. Um, And he did, like, an unveil for the the football team, our uniforms. We had, like, a black alternate that year. So that was pretty dope. And then um, I always would catch some of his games uh, when he was in Cleveland. So I'll be able to link up with him after the games, you know, talk with him here and there. So it was pretty cool.
1: When you think about those times when you were in high school and you're getting ready to go to Ohio State and what you were able to do at Ohio State versus what you're doing now for Indianapolis, did you have to change – your mindset in terms of the style of receiver you were going to be. Because I and maybe I'm wrong here, Paris Campbell, but I thought of you as like, okay, you're going to be the deep ball behind the defense receiver for the Colts. And I feel like you maybe by necessity, you've changed exactly what style of receiver you are and found a really good niche in that. Am I off base with that assessment?
7: Um I wouldn't I wouldn't say that you're off base. Uh just because, you know, uh, my rookie year and a little bit of my third year, you, c- you can kind of see that, you know, I would run a lot of deep routes and uh, run a lot of, you know, post routes, pylon routes, whatever that may be. Um, but I feel like I was kind of able to bring my Ohio State, which, you know, I mean, everyone kind of labeled me as a gadget guy coming out of college. I feel like I was able to kind of add that gadgety, whatever, gadgety player, um, just kind of to my short and intermediate route game. Um, you know, I think my routes, as far as, you know, short and intermediate routes, have gotten be- so much better since I've gotten into the league. Um, like, I'm, I'm really comfortable playing slot receiver in this league, man. And um, I just feel like I, I was kind of to able to kind of intertwine the two of, you know, the gadget player and, you know, just becoming a, a natural receiver. So I think it's just... You know both of those two together.
1: Were you surprised or in any way frustrated when the Colts made a change at quarterback?
7: Um, no, I wasn't. I wasn't frustrated. Um, yes, I was surprised uh, just because uh, just of the guy that you know Matt Ryan is, and you know the the rapport that he has, and the, I mean this guy's gonna be a Hall of Fame one day. You know what I mean? So uh, definitely was surprised with the decision, um, but I wasn't frustrated. You know what I mean? Because at this level, like, we're professionals, man. Like, you know, there, there could be a change at any time. And, you know, at the end of the day, we still got to go out there and perform. You know what I mean? So, um, wasn't frustrated. You know, I was happy for Sam, you know, because he was getting an opportunity uh, to go show what he can do. Um, I felt for Matt, though, because um, – and Matt knows this. I, I, me and him have so many deep conversations uh, just over the course of the year. But, like, Matt's a big reason why, you know, I have my confidence back right now. Like, he, he's truly a, a – a real big reason why that's happened for me, uh, just because you know this guy's believed in me since he stepped foot in Indianapolis. Man, like he's had my back since he stepped foot in Indianapolis, and he knows that. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I said, surprised, yes; frustrated, no. Were
1: you surprised by the coaching change?
7: Um, to be honest with you, uh, no, because of just how the season, you know, how, how the season was going. Um, and to be honest, like I, I still like feel that the players have something to do with that coaching change, you know what I mean? Just because at the end of the day, like you know what I'm saying, anyone can lose their job in the, in this profession and at the end of the day, like it's about winning. And if you're not doing that, um there then, you know, there's there's bound up, you know, for bad stuff to happen. So and just the way like that we were losing, you know, what I mean, we were losing some close games and then to go out <clears throat> in New New England and just have, you know, that bad of an offensive performance. Um, I just figured some type of change would come because I'm not, you know what I'm saying? I'm not naive to the nature of the business.
1: Was it needed?
7: Um, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say that it was needed, um, you know what I mean? Because, you know, I'm not the one that's, you know, in that chair making those decisions. Um, all I can do is continue to, you know, play my 111th on the field, uh, continue to do my job uh, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who, you know, has the head coaching job. Like, I like – as players, we're like I said, we're professionals, uh, so we gotta come to work regardless. And at the end of the day, our job is to do our job, <clears throat> make sure we're doing it to the best of our ability, and I, at the end of the day, get wins. So it doesn't—it doesn't matter who's at the head coaching him. Like we—we've got to come to work regardless.
2: Paris Campbell with us here again, year four for him. Um, the Matt Ryan leadership element. Correct me if I'm wrong, Paris, but. When Chris Ballard came in last Monday and told you guys that Frank Reich was being let go, initially he did not mention that Jeff Saturday would be the interim. Um, in that meeting, did did Matt Ryan speak up?
7: Uh, yes, he did. And, um, you know, he he pretty much just laid it out there for us. Like, basically what I've been telling you guys, like, at the end of the day, like, we're professionals. Like... We've been hit with so much adversity as a team throughout this course of the season, and you know, as a man, it's much beyond a football player, but as a man, like when you go through adversity, it's all about how you respond. And so, he basically challenged all of us as players and as men. Like, you know, what I'm saying, like, what are what are what are we going to do? How do we want to be remembered? Um, obviously, you know, it's kind of the, the 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 laughing stock of the of the NFL, like with all the chaos that was going on. So, like. How do you really want to be remembered? Is that is that how you want people to remember you? Is that what your legacy? Is that what you want your legacy to be? Um, so he just challenged us, man, and um, I think every man took a took a look in the mirror at themselves and you know really asked themselves, "What can I do to be better?" And um, you know you felt it just through last week.
2: I know it's only been a week, but what have you thought about the tone um, that Jeff Saturday has brought to your football team?
7: Man, I, I've loved it. I've absolutely one hundred percent loved it. Um, he just brings. A different level of accountability, um, just each and every day, man. Like, he, number one is he, he's going to keep it a hundred percent with you. Like, he's going to tell you the real, and um, just the way that he holds each each and every player accountable. No matter if you're the the top of the roster or you're the bottom of the roster, like everyone has a job to do, and he's going to let you know if you're if you're failing to do your job or if you're doing a good job. You know what I mean? And um, like one thing that I appreciated about Jeff is like he came in day one, and he he just being himself, man. Like he's not trying to be someone he's not. Um he he's that fire you can see that that fiery player that he used to be you can see that just kind of coming back out just with his passion for the game um, and you can truly tell that he wants us to succeed to, wants us to succeed and wants us to win and um you know he just brings a different level of passion different level of accountability to to the team so i i, I appreciate it i love it
1: Paris if i'm reading between the lines here and i want to make very clear uh, you know, I think you, uh, Frank Reich is a very good man. I don't think any, nobody questions that, and I'm not saying that, that you're not saying Absolutely. that. But but often in sports, they say that, that coaches need to, no matter who it is, every four or five years, guys just need a new voice. Was it, in fact, just time for a new voice, for a new energy? Is that a safe statement?
7: Listen, um, you know, I'll I, I do respect to, to Frank Reich because, Frank like is an uh, an amazing person. he's an amazing coach, and you know i never want that to ever be forgotten. you know what I mean because that that that's just fact you know what I mean and um Frank was a guy that believed in me too it frank's a big reason why I'm, I'm even in Indianapolis, you know what i mean so uh, frank Frank was my guy, and I mean at the end of the day, like I said, we weren't getting the job done as as a team as an organization, so you know they may change um and I'm not saying that, you know, Frank is a bad a bad guy. Like I said, like he had a bad voice, or he didn't bring the same intensity that Jeff brings, because everyone has their own style of coaching. You know what I mean? And whether you respond well to one way or the other way, I mean that's just based on the type of player that you are. Um, so I don't, you know what I mean? I don't want this to be a competition of Frank versus Jeff, because that's definitely not what it is. Um, but Jeff has definitely brought. Um, a different, you know, sense of urgency, and that may be just because of, you know, where we're at as a team, as an organization, um, or that, you know, I that that's just who he is. Um, and I, honestly, I think it's both of those. Um, but I don't want, you know, I'm saying I don't want to get into Frank versus Jeff because that's definitely not what it is.
1: Have you ever been to Paris?
7: i have not I have, that's a golden mine, though
1: <laughs> yeah, you can go to paris illinois paris illinois is like two and a half hours away you can go there and just tell people you're in paris right <laughs> that's the way should you get a you know campbell's i think is like a big nfl sponsor and maybe i'm naive to this. Yeah. should you get an endorsement with campbell's that seems like that would make sense they have nfl commercials yeah
7: Hey man, you guys don't even know that's been a goal of mine since I was a little kid, man. Like, yeah, really <laughs> I've seen i NFL players on there with their moms, you know, right. the commercials and all that stuff. Like, I like that's a that's a dream of mine. So I'm hoping I'm hoping, I'm hoping they've been watching some close cool
2: football. <laughs> I'm picturing Jerome Bettis like you know, with his
1: chunky soup. What's here. your favorite Campbell's soup? That's what I want to know. I'm a clam chowder guy. What is your favorite Campbell's soup?
7: I'm, I'm a classic chicken noodle guy man all right I'm there classic. you
1: go don't all mess right, with success right there
2: uh, Paris we will end with this and really appreciate your time this morning um you've obviously frankly have been through hell um physically throughout your nFL career a lot of chicken noodles do you think <laughs> do you think about the contract year that you're in right now
7: absolutely um, absolutely um you know I, I I would be I would be naive if I said I didn't you know what I mean um you know, I, I, that's that's just the real of my situation, you know what I mean, and um, obviously, I've been through so much, and, you know, I've kind of seen, you know, the, the receivers that got drafted in the same year as me that's that's in my draft class, I've seen them get their payday, which, you know, they're all some of my closest friends, and I'm all, you know, happy for them, congratulations to them, um, but, you know, my story's different, man, and, the thing about me is like I like I won't change and I wouldn't change anything that I've gone through. I wouldn't change my story because, you know, at the end of the day, like no matter what happens at the end of the season, um, good or bad, you know what I mean. Like I'm gonna have a story for just so many people across, you know, the platform. Like not not even football players, just so many people who you know may just be going through something and just feel like they can never catch a break, like. My story is going to speak volumes to so many people, man, and, and, and that's, that's what I'm grateful for, man. I'm grateful um, just to be a vessel for God, man, just for him to do his work, man. And I, I couldn't ask for more, you know what I'm saying? I couldn't ask for more because I'm blessed, I'm healthy, I'm, um, you know, I'm making plays. And uh, ultimately that's all I want to do, man. I want to help my team win. I want to be available. And, uh, you know, God's allowing that to happen right now, man, and, I, and I'm just so thankful for that.
1: Paris, I'm a huge Clemson fan. They're not going to make the playoff. I know that. Nobody's going to beat <laughs> Ohio State. And, and I'll be honest with you, man. I, I, I'm not an Ohio State fan, no offense. But nobody's, nobody's touching Ohio State, are they? I mean, honestly.
7: Nah, nah. I mean, we, we, you know what I'm saying? We still got to play a team up north in Michigan, man. We still got to get revenge on them from last year. Um, shoot, I feel like I lost that game when they lost last year, man. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, nah, I, I, just, I just hope they uh, – they, they win that game, and then they roll in the playoffs, man, because it's been a while since we won a natty, man. So I'm, I'm pulling for those guys, man. They, they look good, though.
2: Paris, I feel like any time we have one of your teammates on, we kind of end it with um, hope for continued good health, and I, I, I mean that even more for anybody, um, for you right now, with the rest of your contract here and the season you've had. Hell of a year, man. I can only imagine what it means, and I really appreciate your honesty with everything this morning.
7: Absolutely, man. I appreciate you guys for having me on, man. I really do. Paris
2: Campbell, right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Um, We threw a lot at him and really, really appreciate the candor, the honesty um, on a variety of topics. I mean, it wasn't just his health and everything. He's endured. It's the coaching situation. It's Matt Ryan. um, Just a great dude, and... You know, I certainly will raise my hand, and I had skepticism entering the year. Could he stay healthy? And you just have to feel good for that guy 10 games into the season, playing all 10 games, and I think over the past month has shown a lot of that second-round potential that Chris Ballard uh, saw in him. How, how did they not have him in the soup commercials? Right?
1: Usually big dudes, right? Yeah, like but, I mean, but no matter what brand it is, if there's
2: a bowl on his table, it is Campbell's Soup. He keeps flying like this. Heck mean. I thought his comment there at the end, well, I, I guess we, you can go a lot of ways with it. Um, you can read between the lines on a lot. Sure, and, and I think the different level of accountability, the sense of urgency, um, I think he pointed out the locker room is largely a fault, fault for a lot of this, and they needed kind of a jolt. They needed a new voice. Jeff Saturday brought that. I thought his comment there at the end about the contract year, he pointed out the draft class. I mean, Jake, think about the guys Paris Campbell watches on a weekly basis in his draft class. Last night, Terry McLaurin, Debo Samuel, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf. All these guys drafted. Some of them after him. Terry McLaurin's his college roommate, right? I mean, that has got to just absolutely just just wretch him almost to the point of like, I'm not even sniffing that. And yet, here he is in year four. And I think he's very honest about what Matt Ryan has meant to him and what he's shown over the past month. Right now, at the very least, you are bringing him back on a one year deal. And I think if he continues to show something and stays healthy, you know, I might even think about tagging another year on, on the end of that. And that is not something I would have ever thought I would say at the start of August. Yeah, that was a good interview. He, I mean, in, by him, I mean, he was very transparent. I thought he handled everything really well. Really well.
1: Uh, do we have time for a morning check down, Mark? The morning check down.
0: Brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
1: That interview along with Tony Dungy, and Billis will be up later today in podcast form. You can check it out at 1075 the Fan. Dot com college basketball last night it was butler on the short end uh 68 62 i think was the final right wasn't that the final score sounds right butler couldn't throw it in the ocean couldn't throw it in the ocean penn state getting the win uh who could throw it in the ocean yesterday uh purdue fort wayne one eleven to 31 over and i can't remember who they played was it Earlham who'd they play
2: I thought it was Manchester.
5: It's a great Manchester, recap thank of you. college basketball. Well, I don't have, score? who I, I did don't, they
1: play? I don't have the sheets in front of me. <laughs> IU women won won in Knoxville.
2: Big win for Terry Moore. I do know bunch. that, yes. Uh, Purdue's got Marquette tonight at 8.30. I think Purdue's favored by, what did I see there? Seven-ish, something like that? Let's see if I can find that. That's a uh, great uh, recap. Mark, you get to get on him, too? move along. Uh, a different sports, classic, guys. Purdue's favored eight and a half. Uh, Champions Classic tonight over at GameBridge Fieldhouse. As Jake said, we had Jay Bellis on earlier to talk about that. Kentucky, 7.5 over Michigan State. And then Kansas and Duke. Duke a slight favorite. That game probably around 9.30 tonight.
1: By the way, last night the Philadelphia Eagles on the short end losing their first game of the year to the Washington Commanders. So the Eagles do not come in undefeated. That might alter my prediction in terms of what happens between the Eagles and the Colts. But we shall see.
2: We have, we have a pop quiz coming up. We as well. do. No, we'll Scotty. A little bit of Pacers um, tomorrow night at the Hornets. Um, if you look at their next six games before they end the month on a Western road trip, uh, all against teams under 500. Jay Corey, this qualifies as the Kevin Bowen needs about a four and two stretch right here. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. You have what shall we say a financial interest, right? Uh it's slight. Someone tweeted at me over the weekend. I'm one fifth of the way there. Do you have any buyout options like they
5: ever offer you like the cash oh, sure. out? Sure,
2: sure. The buyout is is intended. uh no, I, I I believe. You starting to look at apartments, are you?
5: Oh, I mean, where I mean, if Max's Stick grades
2: can hold up, we're looking at Ivy League. There you go. Okay. For a while there we were thinking online. Which
1: Ivy League school I've been asking this question a lot to people lately, which Ivy League school do you think is the one that if people had to name all the schools in the Ivy League that they have the hardest time coming up with?
2: Uh Brown. I feel like
1: Brown is the one though that everyone says, and so therefore, so like, what about Cornell?
5: Cornell, Eric Peck went there. Remember, Eric Peck played at Purdue, and then Dartmouth, maybe Dartmouth. Yeah.
1: Okay, how about this? What school that is not an Ivy League school is most commonly mistaken as an
5: Ivy leaguer? University of Phoenix.
2: How do you know that? That's right. <laughs> at Hornets, at Rockets, Magic twice, Timberwolves, Colgate? and I'm Nets. Going with
5: Colgate. that's Colgate's what
2: a good the Pacers one. have before Colgate a seven-game. Road trip. Scotty's here. Pop quiz is coming up next. 317-239-1070. Give us a call for the pop quiz.
0: Have you studied? Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the pop quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil chain since 1985.
2: People seem to like the Paris Campbell interview. How how good was he, Jake? He was good. Everything he's been through, just to have that sort of perspective on such a variety of topics, boy, I would not have that. How about when he said, he admitted, like, yeah, I, I also wondered
1: if I was going to stick around.
2: I think, like, that type of insight, that type of honesty, like, that's what f- I think so many fans just gravitate towards, want to know, the behind-the-scenes, You know how are the inner workings? How you how are you thinking about those things? Basically, you show that you're not a robot, and I think Paris Campbell is hard not to cheer for him. Really hard.
1: Two three nine ten seventy is the telephone number. Do we have callers lined up already, Mark? We do. Pop quiz. Plus, he handled your cheesy questions well. Uh, Excuse me.
2: I think he found those to be refreshing. I thought you were going to go Ohio, Paris, Ohio, Paris, Illinois. I thought you were going the whole. You know, there's a game. strategy to it, right?
1: You can you you get you can get to the hard hitting questions, but usually you go with one or two of those kind of in the middle to to relax people, see, and then you then you come boom.
2: So is that next time we have Chris Ballard on? Are you going to try that?
1: No, Chris Ballard. You ask right directly. And then he tells you it's a loaded question.
2: Y'all been kicking the out of me for
1: years. <laughs> I might ask him why
2: he's wearing light brown shoes with a dark suit. Yeah, the old-fashioned attack. I didn't. I didn't see that coming. Dan asked this. He goes, "Did I hear Paris Campbell say the word Michigan out loud? Does that strip away his that, Ohio State?" I 1000 percent heard that. That's a note I of the right? same thing.
1: That is correct. He said the school up north, Michigan. Usually you do not say that. He also, I believe, uh, dropped a profanity. Oh, I missed that. Which we didn't catch. Uh, care to share? Uh, it, it sounded like he said shoot, but I don't think he said shoot.
2: In reference to?
1: I can't remember. It, it, not like he didn't say it in a profane fashion. He just said, mm-hmm. like, well, listen, I mean, I didn't catch that. like shoot,
5: but I don't think he said shoot. I could be wrong. I think you're wrong. I hope you are. For my sake. <laughs> Mark's now sweating over there. Yeah. The show. I probably Why is there a posting out, for right? an opening for a morning show producer all of a sudden? <laughs> well, I think we've got to... We'll bring a- back Elijah, right? Oh, you'd love that.
2: I, I, I tell you, I saw, I saw Elijah and his mom at a game last week. Yes, last week. Elijah, the
1: the formerly energetic intern, is now working here part-time, I believe.
2: Oh, yes, I did hear that. Enthusiasm pays that. off. Should we go with Paris Campbell's jersey number for the pop quiz?
5: Sure. Numero <laughs> uno? randy
2: randy good to hear from you randy it's been a while yes it has how are you doing doing swell yourself uh not too bad
1: um (laughs) randy would you like for me that would be jake or would you like for kevin to lead you off with question number one
8: Uh, go ahead jake
1: okay thank you start uh
2: randy here we go
1: are you set for thanksgiving randy are you all ready to go for thanksgiving
2: Yes, we are. Randy, your favorite Thanksgiving dish?
8: Uh, probably the turkey, I'd say.
2: Okay. Strike me as a gravy guy.
8: Well, st- stuffing's good, too. Yeah, I would agree. I think <laughs> stuffing's go. very
1: underrated. There we go. All right, here we go. Question number one. Keeping in mind, by the way, the caveat that when Bruce Arians was filling in, for Chuck Pagano, he was never technically labeled, I don't believe, as the interim coach. And thus, as a result, his wins were credited to Chuck Pagano. So that caveat out of the way. Question number one for you. The Colts beat the Raiders on Sunday, giving Jeff Saturday his first win as an NFL head coach. Who was the last Colts interim head coach to win in his first game? Was it Hal Hunter, Rick Venturi, Ron Meyer, or John uh, John Sandusky. And I believe it happened. this happened against, I believe, the Atlanta Falcons. I'm
8: going to go Hal Hunter.
2: Okay. Is he an O-line coach, Scotty? Hal Hunter? Maybe a son believe so. Yeah. All right, uh, Randy, number two. Six of the seven Colts head coaches had lost their debuts. Name the last coach to pick up a win in his first game as Colts head coach. Ron Meyer, Tony Dungy, Jim Mora, or a guy we mentioned earlier in the show, Jim Caldwell.
8: I will go with uh, Jim Caldwell.
2: Okay.
1: Uh, question number three. Jonathan Taylor's 66-yard touchdown was the fourth rushing touchdown of 60 or more yards in his career. That ties a Colts franchise record. Name the other Colt whose last name, by the way, is what you might say in terms of wanting a second helping of Turkey. Name the other uh, Colt who had four rushing touchdowns of 60 or more yards in his career with the Colts. Was it Edger and James, Marshall Falk, Lenny Moore, or Joseph Adai?
8: Uh, we'll go we'll go with a
2: die (laughs) see Jim Irsay's latest tweet no dare I ask (laughs) he retweets the Matt Ryan scramble what a football player hashtag Matt Ryan (laughs) <laughs> the guy that he wanted benched a month and a half ago all right number four the commanders ended philadelphia's hopes for a perfect season with their win over the eagles last night washington head coach ron rivera is just the second coach really cool moment by the way rivera in that postgame locker room after losing his mother last week rivera is just the second head coach in the super bowl era to beat two teams that were eight 0 or better who was the first Don Shula, Don Coryell, John Madden, or Tom Landry? Let's go with Madden. Known for his passing attack, right, Scotty? Oh, here Coryell. Bingo! All right. Uh,
1: question number five: The Cowboys lost to the Packers at Lambeau Field, despite holding a 28-14 lead at the end of three quarters. In the 63-season history of the franchise, how many times have the Cowboys blown a 14-point lead entering the fourth quarter? Was it A, never, B, once, C, twice, or D, five times? It was an unprecedented thing.
2: Mm.
8: Oh, how about never?
2: Okay. You know, of all of our um, pop quiz contestants, Randy is very in tune with the hints. Except for hint number three. Oh. When I said it's
1: what you would Scotty, say if you were Scotty's looking for a second helping of Turkey.
2: Got it. I got it. Okay. Good call on that one. All right, Randy. Number one, the Colts beat the Raiders in Vegas on Sunday. Jeff Saturday, first win as NFL coach. The last Colts interim head coach to get a win in his first game? He said Ron Meyer. And he is correct. He said "How?" No, oh, he, he said "How Hunter and Ron Meyer. You blew
1: it! tate randall i want to say had a big part in like a blocked punt or field goal or something at the end of that game against the falcon scotty and i the only two people in marion county that remember this (laughs) i think i was seven years old it was uh it was fun while it lasted jim caldwell lenny Moore. i'd like more turkey please Mm. eric coriel don coriel and never was indeed the correct answer for question
2: number five a lot of cult-centric questions today scotty well we're in indianapolis Doesn't make
5: sense. That checks out. Well,
2: usually Scotty's like the 1922 Brooklyn Dodgers moved to St. Louis and became the Arizona Cardinals, and who was the stepson of their day three starting pitcher?
5: That's a lot of shade you just threw at Scotty's direction. Just that's usually the friendly fire. I would say it's usually
2: the extreme detail Scotty goes in creating such a beautiful pop quiz. All right, well, uh, we'll do one final time.
3: Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
2: I'm here to round things out. The podcast will be heavily downloaded today. Jay Billis, Tony Dungy, Paris Campbell. Campbell was outstanding. Campbell was if Grover Stewart had a baby with himself. He was that good. What? Wow, that's
5: that was an image I wasn't expecting. Upper
2: quartile of upper quartiles of upper quartile interviews. If in Grover Stewart history.
5: had a baby with himself. Mm-hmm.
0: That's rare air.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Ursay. You find it weird that, and I don't think I do this, but I just did it there. That like people call the owners Mister. This began, you know. It, I was
1: always interested in this with Pullian. At the time that Bill Pullion was running the Colts, Donnie Walsh was running the Pacers, and Bill Pullion to everyone in Indianapolis was Mr. Pullion, and Donnie Walsh was Donnie. Yeah, that's odd. Yeah, the Mr. Like everyone says Mr.
2: Ursay, but no one says Mr. Simon, right? I'd rather call him Coach Ursay. Yeah. A lot of people have been asking about Carly Ursay on the sidelines. Have you seen that, Jake? With the headset? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't make too much of it. I think she's just trying to um, get a you know, first-hand sideline experience of what's going on on game days. Trying to groom herself for the inevitable job that will come one day. Now she is. There are three Urse daughters, correct? Right. She's the oldest of the three. The middle one, Casey Ursay Foyt, don't really think involved. The youngest, Kaylin Jackson. Um, she uh, is probably, I think, most known right now for like the kicking the stigma campaign. She's been very vocal, very out front about that. I, I'm, I'm very impressed by her. I think, you know, my, my you know, two cents here. I, I'd have her run the uh, run the operation whenever that time comes.
1: So you don't read into the headsets?
2: No, nothing. I think Carly has been more and more football-centric and over recent years, is trying to, now, um, just again, get a better understanding of how things are operating and all of that. So I read nothing into, like, they're on the hot seat because she's on the sidelines. Right. I mean, she's been on the sidelines during practice. But Mo- most like. importantly, um, why did they close huddles? Oh, I forgot about that. The ice cream place? Yeah. That was yogurt. one right in Nora, yogurt right? Yogurt
1: yeah yogurt is it really frozen yogurt they say frozen yogurt and everybody's like well eat a lot of it because it's just yogurt it's nutritious is it fat free
2: <laughs> We'll have to send it to the lab frankie's right we are we got to be moving up in the mid-market rankings you think so i mean after even, today's show even if we just we go be. from
1: 22 to 21 the one thing i've learned is that if we just tell everybody we have the number one ratings and people
5: believe that right doesn't that seem to be how it works Mark, you said George's been hanging on for quite a while? Yeah, if he's he's still awake, I think we should go to George. George, good morning.
8: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, good morning, fellas. That's an awesome show. And yeah, real-time update, you're definitely up to number 21 in the mid-market. Hell yeah.
2: Hell yeah. Hang a banner. Thank (laughs) you for that, George. I needed that. Yeah.
8: Hey, Hey, like, for real. So I'm a huge Colts fan. have been lifelong. And, and I'll say this, like, so it felt great to win on Sunday, and guess what else? It was probably the worst thing that could have happened because this owner you're talking about is more convinced than ever that he's pulling the right strings, that we're moving in the right direction, and and unfortunately it's our owner and anyone who believes in that. And, and KB, like, if it – if there's nothing to make out of it with his daughter being on the sidelines and with a headset on and with a notebook. Like it's, it's at least noteworthy to you because you just brought it up. Like I, it's kind of embarrassing. And, and that's if, if it's his daughter, if it's a son, nothing, nothing involved with the, with the sex there, but just like, what is that? How, how many organizations is that taking place? It's, I don't feel good about where we're at fellas. And uh, I, one win don't make me feel any better. I can't believe I'm saying this, my first time ever, lifelong Hoosier, lifelong Pacer fan, lifelong Colts fan, I was rooting for the Colts to tank because, what, what? Matt Ryan's the answer again all of a sudden?
2: George, thank you. Um, Jake, I don't know about you, but I received, I would say, a decent amount of tweets and or texts on Sunday of... Do I really want the Colts to win?
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Probably I, agree. The, I, I mean, I'm not saying I agree with that sentiment. I agree that, yes, that sentiment was present.
2: There is a chunk of the audience correct. that is with George. Correct. George is not some Well, it's kind of the same with outlier. the Pacers, to
1: be
5: honest with you. I mean, people are excited. Particularly are like, last year. The Pacers year. are yeah. playing
1: well, and then you look at it and you're like, great, so they're going to draft 14th again. Right. And that's kind of where the Colts are, right? The Colts
5: are currently 15th. <laughs>
2: I think what... Is interesting to play out, and again Sunday with all the chaos that you had going around that week to get a win. Um, I understand, you know, people that want to celebrate that, but I do think there is this awkward feeling, Jake, with this season of like, is this Colts season the Pacers season from maybe two years ago, of just kind of on the same treadmill. You are holding on for dear life. You, right. you you make a change, but you're not making all the changes. The Matt Ryan point might be the most interesting. So Matt
1: Ryan is Domas Sabonis, where it's like you know he's a good player, but what does it do you to just keep going to that well?
2: Yeah, and almost I'll say like Brogdon. You know, I feel yeah. like Brogdon yeah, was held in better. a little yeah. bit more of a skeptical light yep. than than Domas was. Um, so I know we didn't talk about it yesterday, and, and I'm glad that we didn't because I think after that Monday, I think you should, you know. Give credit to where credits due, and Jeff Saturday and, and those guys for banding together. But George makes, I think, a really valid, valid point in how the rest of the unseason, uh, the rest of the season will unfold and how people are going to view it. What's your favorite Campbell soup? I'm going to go with Paris Campbell, chicken noodle. Yeah.
1: What do you think? Is that doesn't everybody like, you know, it, when it gets cold out like this, people are like it's chili season, right? doesn't everybody occasionally have maybe it's just me like once per winter do you ever for dinner just do grilled cheese and tomato soup sure uh, am i the only person that
5: does that sure i haven't done it in a while but that sounds that sounds appealing
2: right rosie is obsessed with soup i i'll give her some soup in 90 degree weather and she you can literally hear
5: her slurping it from california really that loud do your girls Eat soup, Mark. Yeah. We had some broccoli cheddar the other day. We've got some mushroom and rice going. Mm-hmm. So, How about chunky? Do you ever do the chunky? Chunky soup? Yeah. yeah. That's Campbell's too, isn't it? Oh, yeah. How yeah. about a pot of chili tonight and a little Maction? Is
2: Ball State again tonight? Yep. I feel like they've been on every Tuesday lately. They got a win to be bowl eligible. Do I have that right? That is correct. <clears throat> Schumann Stadium tonight, 7 o'clock. one of the
1: directional Michigans, right? Um, Ooh, they
2: got two games left. Who do they have tonight? The Bobcats. Ooh, Ohio University. And then Miami Ohio next week. How about this? Um, Last Friday in the Colts press room, it kind of turned into like a trivia. I jotted a few of these down. I wanted to throw it at you because nothing says let's end a pretty good show with trivia. Okay, go ahead. Um, The last two Heisman Trophy winners who did not play quarterback or play for Alabama. Last two
1: Heisman Trophy winners to not play quarterback or play for Alabama. Well, that rules out Derrick Henry, obviously. Jan- Johnny Manziel. Oh, not play quarterback. You said no quarterback, no Alabama. Um, I mean, it makes for bad radio. What I'm thinking. Th- I would in my say head.
2: one, you're going to be like, I definitely should have known, and I'll say the other one um, has association with Campbell Soup. The not-play quarterback is where
1: it, it, it's a real trick here. We're not going all the way back to Charles Woodson, are we?
2: No. Um, they're both running backs, if so that helps you out. We're not going... Two very different style running backs. One... Oh, you... Ron Dane? One you could argue could eat the other. Ron Dane. Ron Dane and... Um. See, all the running
1: backs are thinking of, like, Mark Ingram was Alabama. Derrick Henry think Mark... was Alabama.
5: I have Rashawn Salam? I mean, I've seen the list, so I don't know if. I, I have a hint, but it'll give it away. Rashawn Salam? little asterisk by this one. I was going to say, yeah.
1: Oh, Reggie Bush. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Reggie Bush. That's a good trivia question. Now, this year, is it C.J. Stroud the favorite? I, I think he's the favorite, right? The, the kid from Tennessee kind of fell off a little bit. Hendon Hooker? Yeah, I think he he dropped just a little bit in their last outing, you know?
2: I know some people have said maybe some late-season momentum of Michigan upsets Ohio State for Blake Corum, their running back.
1: Now, how about this, by the way?
2: Speaking of Miami,
1: who you said Ball State is playing still in their football schedule, Miami was, of course, the um, Redskins, and then they changed their name to the Redhawks. So they broke out a mascot. They, they came out with a little Hawk fella. And do you know what his name is? Because the well they wanted to get away from the sensitivity issues of the native americans with redskins so then they brought out the red hawk do you know what his name is uh uh-uh. uh tom o'hawk oh boy <laughs> that certainly said, takes said, away a lot
2: they said, i don't think any of that we might want to redo that <laughs> and so i think he's now just tommy <laughs> So he would be the rival to one Jeremiah Johnson as Charlie Cardinal? That that's familiar? correct, yes. Is that's he, my goal in life still is to be a mascot. Is he Tommy Hawk then?
1: I, I think they – actually, I think – Because that's a Blackhawks mascot. I think his name is just like Hawk or something. Oh they, they, but they, they tried to sneak that in of Tom O'Hawk and people
2: were like, wait a minute. You guys
5: make anything of the Colts uh, putting in a waiver claim for Jerry Tillery?
2: I think former first-round pick, Ballard's obsessed with the defensive line. um and right now, your depth there, I think, is in question. The Pay injury, Jake, is something to watch. Yeah. You know, Taequann Lewis out for the year. Did Pay aggravate that ankle injury? it's too bad because he's starting to show some... Yeah, you're, you're starting to see a little bit more. Correct. Now, I did think Dio Dangbo had a couple moments on Sunday. We haven't seen enough, in my opinion. But I thought we were starting to see well, some Dio things. Dio Dangbo,
1: I mean, there's a reason that they took him where they did when a lot of people thought they could have waited another round because they were big believers <laughs> in him, but...
2: You got to get more out of that edge pass rush. Ngakwe, I guess he fell into a half sack. We're going to get to the end of the year, and Ngakwe's going to have like nine sacks, and it's going to be like pretty much what the back of his baseball card looks like. And you're going to, I feel like I'm going to say, were those the nine most least impactful sacks you've ever seen? It's like Ray Langford. When I was in St. Louis,
1: and Ray Langford would hit 29 home runs a year, and all 29 of them would be after the seventh inning in a six run game. I liked Ray Langford. Lefty, right? Yeah. A good player, but that was always the big complaint with people was like, yeah, right. You know, it was it was six to nothing, and he got up in the seventh inning and hit a solo mm-hmm. home run to make it seven nothing. Great, yeah.
2: The PJ tour player that shoots sixty five when he's ten shots back on Sunday, the <laughs> NBA right. player that scores twelve in the first quarter, scores twelve in the fourth quarter of a huge blowout. Again, thank you sincerely, Mark. Great work, Jay Bellis, Tony Dungy, Paris Campbell. All three of those up on the podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Have a great Tuesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow.